hot uh, motherfucking Owens. Oh, Owen. Owen. We 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 got it this time. Yeah. We know it's it's I think Owen. I tell everyone it's Pat Owens, but it's not Owens. I, I always argued you on it, but I was never sure. You threw the the doubt in it. But yeah, so I mean, we had a long one. It was like a three hour convo. We talked yeah. a lot about just like life and like it was all mixed into nutrition and and health and all this thing. But it was so spiritual, so awesome at the beginning. Yeah, it was fucking cool. And there's so much I wanted to get in that I didn't because it was so like activating. It blew my mind because when we actually started talking about nutrition was the end of the podcast and we extended it, but I'm like, holy yeah. fuck, this guy's like a, a just a wealth of knowledge. It's just a fountain of information coming out. Any question you have, you just go on a tangent with like science behind it. And it was really interesting. And it just reminded me like what a great resource he is to have to share with you guys and to, for us, like just to have that kind of information to our... to. To access it, it's incredible. Yeah, he's like a gem. Like he's a real fucking jewel. Like yeah. he's, I, I would, I would say because of his attitude and his and his his like uh, academic uh, history is like his his uh, credentials, if you will. He's just like a, I, I don't, I don't know, I, I, for lack of a better term, he's like a health guru. He's like um, well, throw, I, out, I, throw I, out some of his titles because uh, we didn't say that in the intro. Well, he's a I PhD. Mean, he's a, who he has I think we did talk. I think we did mention it. Well, yeah. in the, yeah, but in in this. Yeah. Well. Okay. So yeah. he's. I mean, he's a doctor. He's a. Yeah. He has a PhD in nutrition. He's a teacher at McGill, and uh, he's uh, he he offers one on one help as well for for health and wellness to, and uh, through nutrition, but also other avenues. He's also helped me individually a lot, and a lot of people we know. Yeah. And he's uh he's he's just has a I he doesn't use the word often, but he's very holistic. He he's really gonna look at everything. I'm sure he wouldn't disagree uh, with that title. Like he's he has a a really grounded in in history, grounded in evolution uh, approach, and he just wants to take care of the human organism. And he understands that everything's c- connected. So you know you're gonna help someone who's depressed by attacking uh, sleep and food and psychology and uh, you know meditating and now he's he's you'll see in the podcast he's deep into uh, buddhism and shit right so it's it's he gets a lot from different places you know he's got a pulls it all together that's where the holistic approach comes in and that word is a buzzword these days but in the purest form that's what he does you know he'll see your nutritional habits influenced by your psychological state your environmental state your genetics and your lifestyle habits and that's all into account and it's not necessarily about doing x diet or doing x amount of cold showers per week or whatever fasting and then he was tying it into buddhism and how the four pillars it's just uh there's a lot more going on than just just do it bro like that kind of advice you just throw out that was like a thick like right in the middle of the podcast we, we got into it's it's the not culture always, of it, yeah. It's not always as simple as just doing something. There's a lot of factors that need to be addressed in order for many of us to take on these kind of uh, lifestyle changes, you know. And it was it was deep. We we got into a, a little bit of the emotional side of of these patterns and habits that we've developed. We're all developed, but especially during COVID, I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that bad bad habits we kind of formed. Yeah, every time you were talking about like Uber Eats and things, yeah. uh, all, all all the same for me too. Yeah. Exactly, I didn't say it on the podcast, but yeah, yeah. And so it's this was a good one. Three hours, man. Uh, grab some popcorn. No, grab some spinach. Almost three fucking hours, <laughs> man. That's awesome. Grab some spinach. <laughs> 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 Cash it out. <laughs> yeah, dude, Pat, we love you. Yeah, uh, thank you. You always give us a, a lot to think about and uh, and reinforce some stuff that we we know in, intuitively as well. So it's really awesome to have like a 
a smart guy, who's a nice guy, who's a he's he's a bright soul. It's just it's cool. So you guys will enjoy it. You'll love it. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah. And like and subscribe. Hit Please. that subscribe yeah, button. We, we we're we're getting we're trying to get used to this. Uh, uh, to remind you guys, it helps out a lot. If you got iTunes, put the five stars. You know, share it with friends. You know, we have a bunch of other podcasts, all these yeah. experts and interesting people. Sometimes it's just me and Nate shooting the shit, and, and we just try to break the do universe. One of those soon. I, I was just thinking that, yeah, actually. I was, I was feeling that. Okay, we'll, we'll set one up soon. And one more thing, just throw us a comment. I really want to start engaging with what we both do. We want to start yeah. engaging with you all and just hearing you out. Maybe if you have ideas, opinions. It's actually fun to see. Like, people give us uh, also resources. They also yeah. they also give us suggestions of guests. They also they give us uh, thoughts on, on the podcast and and some things we might have gotten wrong and some things uh, that like we could have tacked on to it. So it's it's just a uh, more benefit for us and more benefit for people who who are listening. So and and I honestly I love responding. I, it's like a it's like a awesome. maybe, maybe it'll be a problem in the future. Well, when it starts to over overload it might be harder, but enjoy this is the core right now. So we're talking to the core it's, listeners and that's that's the community we're trying to build. That's true. It's fun while it's fun. Yeah. Fuck it. Fuck it. Stay curious. Stole it, motherfucker. Take it, bro. It's yours. <laughs> What's up, beautiful people? I'm Nathaniel Pearl. And I'm Sam Sheva. And welcome to Curious Chimps Podcast, a show where we explore the infinite complexities of the human experience. We do not endorse anything illegal. So please, consult the doctors, do your research, and for the love of all that is holy, be safe. All right, let's talk about drugs. Curious, curious, curious chimps. Oh, you have too many strawberries? Hmm. I can't go poo-poo. Nope. Nope. Because <laughs> <laughs> if she goes poo-poo, you know, she's going to miss a little bit of her... I don't know what she's watching. Something. We're starting that podcast from that line. Go poo-poo. <laughs> <laughs> that's where it starts. I'm sorry, Pat. <laughs> so that's the way life is. Yeah, I get, yeah we, 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 as usual, you know, no, no strong format there. I mean, you can reintroduce, but like, we'll just direct people. I think it, I, I just checked it. Uh, episode 37. You, so you've been on before and you're, you're a lovely human being by all standards, but you're also a, a doctor, a, a PhD in, uh, in nutrition and you're a yep. teacher at McGill and uh, anything else I'm missing, obviously, like uh, do, do, do the, do the honors. I don't know. You got it pretty good. Um, started at nine to five re, uh, uh, during COVID. I work at a small um, a pharmaceutical company, like a really small one right here, close to my house. So just you know, nice. get something a little bit, uh, a little bit more experience under my belt. Mm, cool. Yeah. I saw also you you on Instagram where I don't know if you partnered up or you did something affiliated with this like uh, ice challenge, uh, this cold bathing, or you did like a whole video documentary ish explaining the cold therapy it was really cool to see i don't know if that's like a long-term partnership or just it was like a little uh video type thing but it was really interesting yeah um they found me ice whim they're based ice in uh, belgium and um in germany i was just writing to them right before this podcast because um they've been asking a whole bunch of people to give their testimonial about how how long they've been doing ice baths how much has changed them and so i went on like said hey i'm you know patrick owen i'm a lecturer at mcgill university and they really liked the way that I delivered the message. And the next day they said like, wow, do you mind doing an introductory video based on Sebastian um, Niep? Now, Sebastian Niep is an old German guy, he used to have um, tuberculosis, became 
a monk, but he's, he's basically considered the grandfather of naturopathy. He was the one who had like the five pillars of health, which was cold therapy, basically changed his life, medicinal plants, um, a plant-based diet as well. And all these like these these back to nature kind of thing mm -hmm. uh, back in the late 1700s when you know things like that weren't really uh common popular. yeah so yeah so in, in the whole fashion that things are coming back into style uh or ancient knowledge you know is coming back into style this is very relevant to to this whole cold therapy aspect to it you know we do know that he's written a couple of books and he has had a lot of, uh, not clients, <laughs> uh, disciples. I don't know. Followers. Yeah, patients. <laughs> patients. Thank you. Thank you. That's what they're called. <laughs> oh, is, is it, is that the word? I, I was kind of tongue in cheek. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like, okay. No, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And like, he just started a movement way back in the 1700s, 1800s. I'm not sure of the years. Uh, but yeah, so I haven't done that yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're adding me on, on LinkedIn and stuff. And they're just growing. And I think that, I think it's a great idea to start a social media account on asking others to contribute your content. Hmm. That's, that's a genius idea. That's uh yeah, that's like a, not a big twist. It's just like a, here's a platform, but like you're still funneling a kind of information. You're still, you still want like exactly. a, a niche sort of, yeah, yeah that's kind of obvious. But if you guys do cold showers or cold baths, uh, you know, I, I recommend them to you and you just give a, like a two minute blurb and then they'll post it. And then the other ice bath Wim Hof community is going to add you. And then, you know, you just get stronger and stronger that way. That's, I actually did a cold shower this morning because hey. I was like, okay, we got pad on. I got a, like, it's just, a, <laughs> it's just you gotta a, tell them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But your description of how it works, like physiologically, was so I never heard it explained the way you you first said it on our podcast about how it could relate to like stopping the cortisol production, and that's kind yeah. of going to influence the the going to sleep at night, the melatonin production, and it's like a it's kind of like oh, a stress yeah. like a stress off button. In it's a like sense. a rubber band. Like you explained it, like you you stress yourself out and get your body better at stress, which gets it better yeah. at relaxing in like a way. And yeah, but I, 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 never, about it. I never put the, the two together that it, it teaches you how to deal with stress factors and how to approach them because now you're like in the cold shower, you get used to it, you have to calm yourself down and that just applies to life, right? Um, yeah, actually there's more and more, since more and more research is coming out, we know more about what actually it does. And I use it for stress inoculation. And, you know, people will say there's a whole bunch of health benefits to it. Mm -hmm. But in fact, there's two main ones. And how you go about it depends on what your goal is. Why are you taking cold showers? I'm clear on why I'm doing it. And that's for stress inoculation. By introducing an acute, immediate stress and being able to escape that stress, I resensitize my the, the, that feedback cycle. Daddy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like how you put it. Inoculation is a interesting word. Like you're you're introducing yourself to a controlled level of stress at a physiological level, at a cellular level, at a psychological level as well. A lot of people talk about that. You know, like you don't want to do it and just kind of rip the bandaid. Like the more you hesitate, the worse it gets. Like all that fun stuff as well. So so you're you're literally just more prepared and more able to handle stress in day to day life. 
in a general sense in that again in that scientific physiological word like stress you know it's not it doesn't have to be that negative thing it's just like you're it's a kind of it's like pressure or i don't know yeah yeah. well that's what that's what our bodies were actually meant to do yeah um and we believe it or not you know we are living a cushy life these days we (laughs) are not under so I was, I'm actually putting a, a course together, and this uh, absolutely forms part of it. But from an evolutionary point of view, most of the stresses back in our Paleoethic era era were almost all physical stresses. Mm-hmm. But the other part of the cold showers that a lot of people use it for is for fat loss, because yes, bringing t- being exposed to cold actually increases a type of fat that we have as adults. Not as much. Kids have it more, but it's called brown adipose tissues. And you can induce it to produce more and more and more, but it's so individual and you basically have to be constantly exposed to the cold in order to have that kind of stimulus to be like, oh my gosh, we're always cold. We might as well bring up that brown fat because brown fat, it uncouples energy. So you could take in all those calories and all those calories are going to be used to produce heat. They're never going to be stored. Mm -hmm. So the more brown fat, brown adipose tissue that you have, you're just more of a furnace and you can actually take in a lot more calories. So that's how the fat loss occurs. But we don't know how often the type of exposure, everyone's different, right? So we don't know really how it is. But if you are going to take an ice bath or a cold shower, instead of going for stress inoculation, because if you're going for stress inoculation, what I do, you absolutely must keep calm as that shower goes in. Mm-hmm. Keep that breath in. Try to fight that stress response. Try to fight that like, oh, you know? <laughs> but if your main goal is to burn fat, you want to actually not say, oh, shit, but you actually want to have that shiver response. Ooh. While you're stress inoculation, you're trying to avoid that shiver response. Try to calm that mind. Try to dissociate like this. Like, I know this is your body's, you know, I know we're stressed. I know this is unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Just feel what's happening. Accept it until you can't. Whereas for fat burning, you actually want that shivering response because that is the signal that goes to your brain saying, no, the reason why we're shivering is to produce heat. Mm-hmm. And so constant exposure. So I'm not sure what the, the literature says about um, cold showers and fat loss, but this, the association seems to be weak. There's so many unknowns. Okay. However, there is much more solid research for stress inoculation. So that's why I recommend it. That's cool. That's that's fascinating. So it's like two different responses could could theoretically hit two different systems. One can yeah. target the nervous system and calm it down, and the other one it can amp it up and produce more heat and essentially fat loss. Yeah. So that's wow. Okay, that's really interesting. Oh, there's more benefits. I mean, it cold shower to the to the scalp and the hair will increase blood flow right? Increased blood flow to the scalp means shinier, healthier hair and skin. Mm. But how much do we need? That's, that's the problem. What's the role in, in the cold shower therapy in terms of immune, immune systems? Is that, is that actually amplify the immune response at all? Yeah, absolutely. The, the immune system is so reactive to stresses. That's what the immune system is, right? Mm. And I think it's fascinating because the, um, there's a theory about the increased amount of child allergies, especially against peanuts. And it's basically because we are just living in a sterilized, sanitized world. And our immune system, much like our muscles, need to be need to exercise. And so 
by introducing cold showers, this is a physiological stress. So you you will increase white blood cells. We've known this for decades. The army does this all the freaking time. Mm-hmm. Uh, cold training and then just throwing their soldiers out into the to the ocean or naked in the snow, things like that. And that's how we noticed how do you get sick? It's not the cold. It's a combination of cold, wind, and um, uh, cold, wind, and wet. Mm. That's too much stress. So it's like the cold, the wind, and the and um, oh, you just blew my mind. Okay, uh, uh, tell me what we're getting at, right? Yeah, because because when you're wet, your your skin does has this uh like kind of energy osmosis response where where it warms up the the area to dry you. So you're burning like you're that's a stressor. But then the wind destroys your heat plume, so you're colder. Yeah. And then on top of that, if you're cold. Like if the actual base temperature or, or ambient temperature is cold, then you're like, uh, let's say like feeling way colder and your body is like exactly these, these multiple levels of cold stress. So you got these three little levels, right? Each by its own, uncomfortable, but all together, it's too much stress on the body. Our moms always says, put on a jacket or you're going to catch cold. The feeling is, is that the cold doesn't carry any viruses because that's what colds are is that it's going to tax your immune system and make it weaker so that it'll you'll be more susceptible to catching whatever virus there's out in the world. But what if we're actually training to be cold? Mm. All right, so we got cold. So cold, we're not affected. Now we're going to be cold and wet. All right, we just keep training. We just keep training. Now that doesn't affect us anymore. Cold, wet, and wind, that's the secret. That's the formula because as you're cold and wet, you're trying to... Uh, produce heat in order to keep yourself warm but that wind just keeps blowing that heat away and that's so much work for your body mm. i hate the wind i hate the wind <laughs> i love i can cold shower i can cold i can swim i can ice bath i get like I, I get used to that but the wind is like it's relentless you have these moments almost like this like this weird like frame rate where it, it feels warm sometimes then it comes back and like you never can get used to it it's so Just, destructive to, to your feeling of, of warmth. <laughs> I really hate the wind. I complain about really? it. Really? That's yeah. hilarious. Most uh, people are like, so a windy day for you is just fine, but a snowy, cold day is fun? Yeah, like, like, like if there's a breeze, it's like everyone loves that feeling. You know, like you open your arms. Like it's like a bath. Like right. it feels good. But like if it's windy and on top of that it's cold and like here it, it's like humid. All, like if you have yeah. these kind of combos – Man, I just, I just, it, the cold gets in and I can't get that, that, like that advanced cold relaxation, like that later feeling that you were talking about, you know, which, which was an interesting point because it's like you get that shock and then you get that, like, like that relax, like a uh, trigger that you do if yeah. you, if you have cold uh, shock, like often. And that, that's actually what I look for because that's what encourages me, I think, to, to like take cold showers and to, and that maybe that's why I hate the wind is because it's like, it's just kind of uh, 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 like you're, you, you never get that chance to, to relax. Like battering ram. <laughs> I guess now if I see it, exactly. Yeah. But, it, but it's intermittent. I think that's what bothers me is that yeah. you just have this like, oh, it's over. And then it's like, no, it's back. And then, oh, it's over. And then, no, it's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the cold, like you get this, you get this like, uh, zone, you get, you, you, like yeah. you fall into the zone sort of, and then you can really like relax and then you can like you said stay in the cold long enough to start yeah. inducing that real shiver response or that yeah. involuntary shiver response not yeah. just the shock but like the like you feel good 
Yeah. You feel like, you know, they say people with hypothermia feel warm and they take their clothes off and like you like you're standing there and you feel you feel better and better as time passes, but then you start getting this like <laughs> like yeah. you like your muscle spasms do like yeah, trembling. Yeah. I had uh I had a time I don't know if I mentioned it on the last podcast, but like I, I, I remember I was swimming once and I had I was really getting used to it and like we were keeping the pool open like well into fall and it was like sixty degrees. It was like something crazy. And I usually did 20 laps and I would get out because it was like just dangerous at that point. I did 30 that day. I didn't think it was much more. I get out and I like my 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 hands are like curled in and I'm I'm like uh, I was like, uh oh, like, <laughs> like this is this is new. And uh, and I even I feel like I had some nerve damage. I, like I had. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was wow. nerve damage or maybe it's just uh, like blood cell damage or something like the the, wow. the tips of uh, my fingers were numb for like months afterwards. Oh. Yeah, I don't know what I did that. Like, I I don't know if it was just uh, in my head a little bit. It was very subtle, but I was huh. I was like, I'm not doing that again. Like, there's a there's a limit, you know. There's a danger. Like Wim Hof did the did the you know he's underneath the ice there, and he was his his optic nerve froze. He was yeah. down there for so long. Like, <laughs> and he's probably loving yeah. it. He was like, this is fun. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but th- that brings me to a question. Actually, is like, what's the sweet spot? for like these cold baths and cold showers is there i would assume you have to feel it out yeah i, I don't know like it's like yoga yeah you actually and it, it does come with time but it's, i call it a tank like how much do you have in your tank mm. and with more training you have a bigger tank I see. but that's not just the tank like say you went swimming for what 20 laps you said 20 30 that time 30 laps all right so say and it's you a big 30 pool. On a yeah. basis, but you just happen to go through a really stressful time at work uh a breakup mm, <laughs> extra, whatever yeah so now you understand that your tank is not just your physical exertion, but it's also your emotional state, how much sleep you got. Yeah. And with time, you understand when it's time to say no, or I don't think I can handle this. And it just, it goes way beyond just, I don't think I can do this CrossFit workout, for example, because I didn't sleep well for the last two days. Um, I have diarrhea or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's also emotional. Like, I just can't handle talking to this person. And you understand, like, where where's your limit of the tank? I'll feel burned out. I'll feel anxious. I feel stressed out. So it's very individual. And I think I think this comes with age, experience, and awareness to yeah. understand, like, yeah, I think I, you know, I think I pushed it a little bit too much. I, I, I avoid the cold shower sometimes if I didn't sleep well or something. And and I, I, yeah. I love how you said awareness because my my therapist told me this uh like a week ago was like a week ago yeah it's crazy it was like it was like look imagine you have a bucket and you're trying to fill this bucket with like self-care or whatever and right and it's like anything all the things you just named are taking from the bucket like like it's it's like a dumb but truer way of look it's like it's a simplistic well no it's a simplified it's a truer view of like your tank like you said like you're you're just this fucking bucket man <laughs> yeah, yeah. you need to like you're 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 you get in an argument with your with your parents or your spouse you your, your your job stresses you out like all all these things are taking but then you have like a win at work then you you go for a good run you're like there's things that that put they just take out, put back like a bank account. You're just like in and out, in and out, positives and negatives. And you learn to feel it. You almost have to like dipstick yourself. You almost have to be like, because, you know, if you if you're physically tired, it's obvious. Hold on. 
should we dipstick ourselves you think right now <laughs> <laughs> right now it's uh i could have maybe picked a a better analogy a <laughs> we need to dipstick ourselves <laughs> i don't know but that's let's, a good analogy that's good yeah like you need to you need to check you need to check in consciously like because because it's sometimes it's gross and obvious it's like it's like you know i'm tired or i'm hungry or i'm i'm, I'm mad because of traffic or whatever yeah. But uh, but sometimes it's like oh you know I I um I didn't sleep well like three days this week mm. I might not be feeling it so obviously right now but like that plus oh I, I have a deadline plus 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 you know like then you you're kind of doing this math instead of just mm -hmm. feeling yourself out you're saying I probably shouldn't take a cold shower today or I I need to put more drops in the bucket or whatever so I, I don't know i just wanted to put that out there i just wanted to like double double tap that that point well, you're absolutely right you're absolutely right and i think a lot of people put way too much pressure on themselves as you said there's one there's a you know sometimes you don't feel like taking um, a cold shower do you yeah. feel guilt if you don't take that cold shower do you feel guilt bingo do you usually yeah <laughs> what <laughs> yeah really <laughs> like oh i didn't do it well, you know, we set these standards for ourselves, so if we don't do it yeah. sometimes, at least for me, I'm like very hard on myself with, with goals and tasks. So if I don't do something, I, it's like there's a shame that comes with it. And that shame is obviously not effective, but it's just it's like old patterns that have just been formed over the years. But I, most is, people operate like that. It's like if we're supposed yeah. like if you're going to go work out and you don't, then you just guilt yourself even more. And then that creates this pattern and spiral. And eventually you might never start training. And yet the guilt is so powerful, you know. Mm. Yeah, and this is actually, I think this is why we are we are putting way too much pressure on ourselves. Mm. Um, I didn't work out today. I feel guilty. I'm going to go twice as hard tomorrow. I cheated. I, I ate horribly tonight. I'm going to compensate by intermittent fasting tomorrow and really hitting the gym hard. All this is not a healthy long-term pattern, mm. and I'm guilty of it. I'm so guilty of it. Yeah. Back to awareness, which is basically the same, way, same thing as, as mindfulness and being mm -hmm. aware of your patterns questioning them labeling your emotions i yeah this these are the books what book am i reading right now i highly highly recommend it oh my god i got like six books oh here it is <laughs> i hope it's on the day by uh, aubrey marcus <laughs> oh i have that on my kindle but it's actually right now i'm writing why, why buddhism is true oh nice cool. um i also got unwind anxiety this guy's from brown university so i am nice. looking at emotions and well the the thing with Buddhism is um, it's not about Buddhism per se. It's actually the science of mindfulness. And um, I got attracted to it because I was listening to a podcast and it's all about evolutionary psychology. Mm. And it blew my mind because I knew of a certain formula, dopamine. You guys, I think we spoke about dopamine last time. Yeah. But the way that he was saying it was taking our relationship with dopamine from an evolutionary perspective and from an evolutionary perspective you got me hooked like i'm thinking like yes what's going on here i had two pieces of the equation but this guy gave me a third one the third piece and as you said i use your expression it blew my mind <laughs> and so i was like i got to read this book and uh so far so good so you guys want to hear this, this yeah, yeah. Piece, please, <laughs> right, please my dopamine's uh <laughs> all right dopamine so dopamine is part of an evolutionary basis of approach and avoid. Dopamine is obviously a reward mechanism, but it also provides illusion. So let's take an example. I want a cookie. 
I deserve a reward. That's dopamine in effect. Dopamine is also responsible for my movement. It actually controls movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is why Parkinson, which is a movement-based disorder, is uh, actually caused by too much dopamine. Or um, yeah, I think so. It's a dopamine level imbalance. So obviously that has. Uh, I'm approaching. I, I want that cookie, but dopamine is fooling me, saying like I will be happy once I have that cookie. But in effect, it's actually. I love the feeling of anticipation of having that cookie Mm. because once I bite that cookie, that dopamine is like, yes, we got it. But after the first bite, we don't taste it anymore. We just keep going, keep going, keep going. And that's the second part of the equation is that we're actually, the cookie was great and we keep eating it because dopamine is like, yeah, keep going, keep going. But we're not satisfied. Because the following day, we're thinking that cookie was damn good. I would love to have some more. Which means that we were not satisfied with that previous one. The hunt is not over. And so that causes a a vicious cycle, a loop. I want this. I got it. I I finished it. Now I'll wait until I'm hungry again or have that emotional desire to want it again. And then I will seek it again. So that dopamine is not about getting that cookie. It's about anticipating. And once I get it, the third part of the equation is I will always be unsatisfied with it. So number one, I anticipate enjoying the cookie, the pleasure of it. Two, the pleasure is there only for the first bite. But after I keep eating it, right, nothing. Mm -hmm. So that's number two. And number three is, is the order. Chase, unsatisfied, continue to be to seek that satisfaction, satisfaction, I know satisfaction doesn't sound satisfaction. Right, but... My God, Rolling Stones. <laughs> but it's <laughs> to but seek it... that satisfaction. Yeah. It's, so when he says Buddhism is true, the first noble truth of Buddhism is life is suffering. But he's saying that that's actually not what that is. It's actually life is unsatisfactory. Hmm. Once we get that brand new car that we've been dreaming, after that, it just becomes a vehicle that brings us from point A to point B. <laughs> if we want more, we want more, we want more. Hmm. That's crazy. This so is a, that's this is, oh man. Yeah, I, right. I, Mind I, blown. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to. Interrupt. I was just going to say this is a this is a neurochemical explanation for it's not the destination; it's the journey. Like there's a there's yeah. a logical reason to not have to not live for the goal it, you know like which is weird but it ties in so well to buddhism and you're saying like this is literally dopamine is literally creating this this craving and aversion like game loop of life and that's like the basis for all of buddhism so it's yeah. like <laughs> it's yeah. really i want to read this book this is really interesting Actually, I wrote to him not too too long ago. I asked him if he wants to be a guest speaker on my um, for my class. Nice. So uh, fingers crossed. I don't know. These guys are Hopefully, tough to man. get them, but you know, got nothing to lose. Shoot exactly. it out there. Yeah, send him our way. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, after that, like, what are the four noble truths, right? So life is suffering. Um, the second noble truth is the cause of that suffering is desire. So now we've got to be careful because a lot of people say like, well, what's wrong, what's wrong with wanting things, right? Like I want to be successful. I, and that's, that's why I want to be an entrepreneur. And that's why I want to have an amazing relationship. And this is what, that's not at all what it says because that desire is goes back to that primordial 
I really want that cookie. So once you, once you know that, wait a second, that's an illusion. That's actually my brain. I don't, you know, I am going to have that cookie. And then am I going to feel better after that? We just spoke about that. Like maybe for the first bite. And heck, if you think that that first cookie is going to be amazing, go for it. While you're going for that second one because it tastes just as good. No, almost everybody who's, and then I'm including myself in this. Mm. I'm never going to stop at one cookie if there's more available. Mm. Yeah. You're chasing the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now you've just reawakened, you've awakened that dopamine cycle hard. And that's just food. All addiction is associated with dopamine from drugs to alcohol to gambling to toxic relationships to social media, Netflix, porn. Um, complaining, all these addictive behaviors always have dopamine associated with it. Because dopamine is not only associated with approach, like I want to do this, but it's also with avoidance. So dopamine is actually absolutely part of the stress response. And this is why stressed people always try to cope with a maladaptive coping mechanism through addiction. So you see the you see how like dopamine is good for our survival because what is evolution wants two things out of us to survive and to to reproduce to survive long enough to reproduce. Yeah. <laughs> so all those things like all of our complex emotions is is maladaptive to our society right now because all stresses are emotion based, right? They're not they're not real. They're not you know, like there's no lion, yeah. there's no drought, there's no, um, you know, no hunting, uh, no animals around. And so a lot of these stresses right now are poor emotional control. Yeah. And like Buddhism is, it's an illusion. <laughs> uh, for well, real. Well, like this whole system, the way we operate is kind of built off this dopamine. It's like marketing makes you anticipate wanting to go get that product and then it's like they're playing on that system that you talked about that third part of it is like the journey towards it and it's like uh these things are evolutionary tools that helped us progress and 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 procreate and grow the tribe but now they're kind of backfiring against us because they're just they're pulling you towards x car or whatever it is and you get it and then you feel satisfied for a week and then it just that next drive that next hunt goes on so how how do you deal with that in this world and how to kind of understand this mechanism and kind of get well, a control of it well i think that we touched on it uh, before and it also is exactly what the third noble truth of buddhism is it's about it's called the eightfold path and it's basically you need to be careful about the way you think the way you act towards people the way you live the way, you know so all these things the way you speak all these and this is basically the way of what you guys are all about is um, self-improvement being aware of who you are your role and how you affect others and how others affect you taking responsibility for your emotions taking accountability for everything right stop blaming others the world is unfair we know this um treat people with respect and there's a lot of people that kind of deserve your disrespect but <laughs> they probably deserve your anger but you know it's just like it's just this heightened amount of level of awareness in your thoughts your speech your actions and 
uh, that, that takes practice. That takes a lot, a lot of practice. So yeah. that's why meditation is so huge in Buddhism is because we need to take time throughout the day to understand at the beginning of the day, maybe at the end of the day, how did I treat everybody today? Was I the best version of myself today? If not, how can I improve tomorrow? Um, what are my tasks for today? What, are, what's the, what am I going to say at the office when I first greet Brenda, who said this crappy thing to me? Am I going to be ignoring her? No, I think I'll be nice to her. I will say, hey, Brenda. There's no Brenda, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking Brenda. I, I like what you're saying, though. Like, um, there, There's this... I, I never thought of it that way. I have my own ideas of, yeah. of meditation and they, they've been proven to be useful to me so far. But this is tacking on this idea of uh, giving less power to that anticipation mechanism, that wind up that happens. Yeah. And then and then, like you said, there's 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 addictive properties to things like complaining or, or being or getting angry or, or de debating like some things that we think might be feel negative in our in our lives still yeah. have a pull because we're we're pushed away from something and and in buddhism they talk about craving and aversion are kind of interchangeable it's you in, wanting in what, craving and uh, aversion just yeah. this, this idea of wanting or something to happen or not wanting something to happen yeah. it's kind yeah, of the yeah. same thing Absolutely. it's just the, yeah it's just this idea of like i want I'm expecting, actually it's expectation, it's the same yeah. thing, it's, that, it's that anticipation, I'm expecting life to be a certain way, and <laughs> I never thought of it that way, like you, you kind of try to, to mitigate that, and be mindful, like you said, and just kind of take each moment as they come, and this, essentially I am kind of deconstructing and, and describing yeah. meditation, or the benefits of meditation, and what you said about uh, addiction being a coping mechanism, I never made that connection before. I thought you were just ah. looking for another pleasure, but you're interrupting that anticipation mechanism and kind of satisfying, like reaching the cookie in another way, in another avenue, sort of instantly to get to gain relief. Yeah. So that's why it yeah. can even be self-destructive behaviors. It's just the fact that you find some completion and kind of uh, interrupt that 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 mechanism or that cycle or that, like that loop. I think of it like a game loop. Like you like you have a thing you do, a thing you do, and a thing you do, and it comes back around. Yeah. So that's pretty fucking cool. Like that's, that's yeah. That's the autopilot uh, aspect of it you're, you're describing. Yeah. L listen, guys. Let me let me um, <laughs> project. <laughs> sure. Hit us. <laughs> you guys, do, I, I I do this and I battle with it. And like there's there's some weeks where I'm like, yeah, I'm going good and I'm going good, and then all of a sudden I fall back. But here's the scenario: your day went freaking awesome. You got everything, man. You you. You did everything, either wherever you're fasting, you had a healthy breakfast, whatever. You got your workout in, you're feeling good, you slept. But at night, at night, when it's just time to relax and sit down, that's when it's time to drink a little bit more alcohol than you'd like, uh, eat more carbs than you're supposed to, eat more calories than you're supposed to. Does that nighttime sound familiar to you guys? Where like, yeah, but yeah. why? <laughs> why <laughs> I mean, is it nighttime, that. man? <laughs> so that actually goes in line with this, with this mm. dopamine. Is that 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 end of the day? Well done, well done, Nate. You did a good job, man. How mm. about a reward? Okay. Now is the time to relax, nice. and you want to enhance that situation with a cookie, a beer, weed, <laughs> right? Whatever. Yeah. So now. Because now, now you're you're programming your mind to make that association. 
I'm going to relax in front of the TV and so you're bundling up these, these, these pleasures, mm -hmm. right? And so this, this is programming and I have this um, when it comes down to sitting down and snacking and it's not necessarily bad snacks, but it's definitely ends up being mindless snacking. Mm. And uh, so you're trying all these different things like, all right, well, I won't snack, but I still want to watch TV. All right. I won't watch TV. I'll read a book. Oh, but I really feel like snacking. So it's so hard to not only change your programming and uh, disassociate this autopilot because that's what mindfulness is, is understanding, hey, wait a second. And meditation, the main goal of meditation is to train your brain to stop and think about it. So even though you're meditating in the morning, you are all these things like mantra, body scans, focusing on your breathing, all that has one thing is trying to be focused in the moment. Hmm. And being focused in the moment is something that translates to the rest of the day so that when you are on that autopilot, which you've never, you, for the rest of the, for most of the day, you are very aware of what's going on, man. You're part of your routine. It's part of your plan. You got to do this. And at nighttime, what the heck's going on? So I'm projecting because this is something that I've battled over COVID. Over COVID, it was... I don't know what the heck happened, but I developed this bad, I developed something called nighttime eating disorder, hmm. which sounds exactly what it is. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy there's a name for it because this is something I've, I've been dealing with too, this whole COVID situation uh, yeah. and a few of my friends too. And I'll be honest about it. It's like, I can kill the day like you're talking about. And then as soon as that sun goes down and things are more quiet, I just pull out my phone. And now that like this yeah. world is so easy to just order I, I literally would just order a meal. I'm not even hungry, and I would just snack it watching a show or a movie. But then I, this starts becoming one or two nights, and then three nights, and then before you know it, I'm doing it for weeks on end, pretty much almost every night. And it's just, I don't know how to describe it, but it's it's mindless, and it's yeah, it's like it's it's tricky and insidious because it goes under like the the umbrella of you did really good today you trained you you ran you ate super healthy you fasted all day let's have a little reward and then it's like you justify it that way but yeah. i have maybe, a theory <laughs> please share uh, it. <laughs> I, I just i don't i'm sorry to interrupt i just because yeah you, you mentioned it as a how do i put this you said it's a, a learned response, like a, it's association. It's kind of like we are taught, you know, and, and it, it made me think of something Drew Carey said because he lost a lot of weight in his life. He used to be like one of those like known to be chubby or fat actors. And he said, why do you reward yourself with bad food? Like, why, why do we think that way? That's, mm -hmm. it's, it's just, just that simple question just makes you seem, makes you feel ridiculous, you know? And it's like, when we have those satisfying uh, moments, they end and then we kind of have a down. You could have a great day and then kind of end up, uh, you know, uh, alone, like in your apartment at the end of the day. And, and the, the contrast is painful. Yeah. So the mindlessness is almost like a dissociation. It's almost like a, this protective, like, I don't want to feel that down. And instead of going within and seeing, you know, everything is okay and those accomplishments are still there, there's just this kind of feeling of vacancy because mm -hmm. of the contrast and you, you kind of, you, you, you create a space to be above the duality and all this fun, you know, spiritual nonsense or sense. Uh, but so, so the reaction that's too quick to catch often for us is 
is to go, uh, how do I keep the feeling going essentially? And, and like you're saying like the whole topic so far is, uh, the new anticipation, let's let's call uber eats and watch the car get closer to the house let's mm. let's literally watch a show that that ends on cliffhangers and like let's just put things in front of us so that we're always the race is never over and we don't have to feel that feeling even though we accomplish even though we feel like we, we like on paper we did we checked something off and we feel good there's just that that feeling of like now what or like like I, I did it, I put all this work in, I still feel, I'm still left with me, sort of, you know? And, yeah. like, this is where things got to get more spiritual and we got to have this this real, like, mindfulness practice, but, like, there's a physical aspect to it and just kind of a simple practice and it's, and you and that that's valuable, but there's also this cerebral, like, idea understanding that you need to, like, you need to know why you're doing it and, and all, and the more, that's, I mean, that's kind of why we have this podcast. It's yeah. just, Amazing. feed that ego part of it and understanding part of it so that all parts of your brain are 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 like on the same team so, <laughs> so that's I, my theory i just want to add because that that made some some pieces click in my brain it's Give just me. like throughout the whole day let's say you're busy you're not you're in the moment in the sense that you're doing what you have to do but you're not really having that awareness because you work or whatever and then when you come home you're still in that mindset of just like what do you have to do what of this and sometimes sitting into it is just you're it's the that mechanism is not strengthened throughout the day so you just want to continue on that momentum of the next thing the next uh carrot you want to grab so that's where the uber comes in and the cliffhanger shows come in because now you're waiting for that next thing and that i love it yeah you got it you got yeah. it and that's now i'm realizing that's the crucial point it's like the cold shower for that pattern you have to sit in that moment and just observe and just a few minutes of that would literally break that pattern and you would realize, oh shit, I'm not even hungry. I don't want to order and let's just meditate for 10 minutes or whatever. And that's how it has to happen. So thank you guys. Yeah, Dude, no, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, we're hitting on all the amazing good points, right? So Sammy, you're talking about your emotion was loneliness or isolation. Uh, Nate, you're talking about uh, relaxation and pleasure. My main emotion is anxiety. So we all have emotions. And we always either to 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 um, enhance the pleasure or to coping it. But the at the at the end of the day, it's the same thing. It's a maladaptive coping mechanism for poor emotional management. I think it's worth repeating that. It's a maladaptive coping mechanism for poor emotional management. So what do we got to do? Do we manage our emotions? We don't. We don't repress our emotions, right? You have to be aware of it. All right, well, why do I feel like I deserve this? Why do I feel this? Cold showers, there's no doubt about it. You don't think anything else but, shit, it's cold. (laughs) It's it's the ultimate being present mindfulness. And a lot of exercises are like that as well. Um, You know, especially um, not working at the gym because my mind just goes on. But say like you're doing a team sport. You got to be in the game, right? Mm -hmm. So this is amazingly healthy. I remember I went mountain biking for all day and I thought about nothing but looking at the road and making sure that um, stuff like that is meditative and it's, uh, true. it's good practice. So if you can find something like that in your day to, to train your mind to be aware of the present, yeah. it, sounds so new, it sounds so new agey and I think the, 
you know, the me of two years ago would have been like, all right, all right, just do it. Just, just do it. And the problem is, is that I used to be that guy. I used to be like, you want to lose weight? Just do it. You want to follow the keto diet? Just do it. If you're feeling, if you have a craving for something, you want to cheat, just sit on your hands for 20 minutes. That craving is going to pass. Just sheer will. Yeah. And there's a lot of people like that. And, And those people don't understand those who are constantly fighting fat loss, addiction, uh, a bad place they can't out because they, for them, and there's a genetic component to that. Just some people are just like that. Mm-hmm. I have clients, I give them a plan and then boom, they just follow it right through. And I got other clients, oh, I don't know, things are going on. And I can say right now, after having COVID and a change in my lifestyle and uh, trying to find ways to adapt, I can actually, and now I think of working out as I used to work, think of working out as a necessity. Now I think of it as a privilege because if I have time to work out, man, I'm thinking, God damn it. Thank God. Hmm. Whereas a lot of people are thinking like, yep, going to the gym. It's my regular thing. And I just don't understand why nobody, everybody doesn't go to the gym. And so now I understand why that is. Um, now I understand how to have poor emotional management. And so, yeah, I've been on both sides of the coin. And I think it, uh, I think it's really important for, for people who have not been on the both sides of the coin to just, you know, just be nice. Mm-hmm. You don't understand what people are going through. And I, I don't still, I just don't understand that. I think I'm getting it. I think I'm getting why it's so hard mm-hmm. to manage your emotions, why it's so hard to un- Un- unravel that programming that you've had since childhood, very likely since childhood. But you know, yet this really didn't come, um, really wasn't relevant because you had things under control in your environment. Mm. The moment things get a little bit out of your control, you're in, you have less and less control of your environment. This is when you got to rely on your own like ability to adapt emotionally, physically, routinely. What's my lifestyle like this? So, yeah, I listen. I can give you a routine. I can give you a meal plan. But man, those evenings or those weekends, when you're saying, screw the plan, I really want a cookie. <laughs> That's where I got to step back and say, like, this is, this is all psychology now. This is on you. It's going to take, this is a lot of work. But if you can get it done, you're looking at changing the rest of your life. <laughs> this is a lifelong, long-term solution. So yeah, things like Buddhism, things like Stoicism. I'm also attracted to these philosophies. What about you guys? I mean, what, <laughs> you, you, you know, you're talking, seeing a therapist, I think is so important. It's been helping me a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about Nate. I don't, we don't talk about any specific like older schools of thought by name or anything. I remember when we were talking on the phone a couple months ago, you, you pointed out that I had kind of achieved some stoicism yeah. and I didn't realize that's, that's what I did. I just was kind of putting it into my own words and it was a lot about, uh, acceptance you know just like a, like just a, a kind of a radical and and very uh like universal and nebulous acceptance and and it was very powerful and very useful about myself my strengths my weaknesses my circumstances my environment the things i can't can control the things i can't control when i can't accept i accept that i can't you know like it, yeah. was, it was this kind of meta acceptance it was beautiful so i i, I feel Maybe in a kind of stubborn sense, I don't, I don't know if I, it's just pride, but I feel like I'm building my own 
uh, ideology or my own like my own uh, philosophy. It's obviously been greatly influenced, but I feel like I'm rediscovering all the time. I don't feel like I'm saying I am a Buddhist or I'm taking from these things. Yeah. Yoga, I think, is something I'll be a bit more vocal about and clearly, uh, maybe let's say, identify with. But um, it mirrors Buddhism a lot for obvious reasons yeah. and uh, and sometimes just historical and cultural influence, but also just, you know, great minds think alike. Uh, truth comes out sometimes of the woodwork, you know, like <laughs> one way or the other. So that's my that's my uh, vibe, sort of, and and uh, it's making me maybe realize that I should dip into these things again with that mentality and kind of reinforce or inform myself. So like, what else can I yeah. steal, so to speak, and and become more Sammy? You know, I don't know, but I, yeah, I like Nate, that. I don't know how you. What do you feel? Well, I think uh, a lot of my process has been, especially because of the COVID situation. I think when. It's interesting the way you put it. It's like the environment now is kind of destabilized. So if you don't have a strong internal foundation, you're going to be super destabilized. And uh, I have this mechanism for, I've been doing my whole life, is just I can close off and just get into my bubble in my mind and then just kind of wait it out in a sense and then be back to normal. So I think COVID and the lockdown, all these kind of things, they amplified some very bad habits that kind of resurfaced and these habits, I'm just starting to chip away at them and trying to reprogram the mind. And it's happening. But come to me a month or two ago, I was internally a giant mess, just really? negating any type of emotion and ordering food and just kind of tuning out And at those moments of silence, you know. And it's now, like, it's still a challenge, but sometimes at nighttime, I just have these moments of discomfort and like i can picture it like a child kind of like squirming in their seat because they can't sit still Mm. and then i would resort to bad habits whether it's food or just watching like relentless uh repetitive tv shows just without any uh any uh mind any thinking it just just would tune out you know but now i think things are starting to change because i'm trying to cut these patterns because i understand how toxic they are and it's a work in progress. Whereas, like you come to me a few years ago, I would be like the same as you. Just do it. Just like yeah. that would be my advice to anyone. Just just do it. But now I'm I'm on that side where I would give that advice to. I'm that person that I would have gave that advice to, and it's not necessarily the right advice. It's more like a compassionate, uh, like self hand walk through. You know, like I'm kind of way nicer to myself about the whole process, and just okay, you're not doing it yet, but we're our objective is getting there. I like that. It's I like, like that too. You meet the person that, at the yeah. level they're already kind yeah. of. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think I would have never known it had I not kind of fallen into that pitfall, you know, because so I would. We're, 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 we're experiencing very similar situations and being aware and not, not judgmental, not judging ourselves. And in being, I know we're, we're always hardest on ourselves, but understanding like, wait a second. Yeah, this has really brought out some of like the worst habits that I, you know, I've tackled, but now it's all coming together. And I also find that you have from I'm talking to myself, but it sounds like you guys are the same way. In doing so, you have more compassion for others. Hugely. Yeah. And I think that's what I think this is what's missing in the fitness industry. I was part of the fitness industry, man, and there are some fat shaming, uh, toxic positivity, <laughs> that's uh, a big one. all these things, and I still see it. And I think, God damn it, I think I used to be that guy. Mm. My wife would be like, yes, you were. You're so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I still see it sometimes. I think uh, it can be 
like you said, a maladaptive coping mechanism. Like it's just a way to to be protective sort of of something. And you, yeah. you're not ready for that thing to be uh, reshaped or damaged or destroyed internally or, or whatever that experience is externally for you. It's all internally in the end, right? So, yeah. And it's, it's uh, you know, toxic positive. That's a, that's a great example because there's something uh, like it's it's inversion you know like you you're, you're well, taking yeah like you're taking something that should be good and positivity is not a bad thing just keeping your head up high being grateful these things can be very useful until the until you're not capable of them until you're not meeting that person at that level and holding mm -hmm. their hand and bringing them to the next level because then you're just waving from a higher place and saying jump motherfucker like what do you want from me <laughs> And the person's like, how did you get there? Send me a ladder. Give me a map. You know, and they're, you're just like, figure it out. Pitter patter, bro. Come on, let's go. Like, it's not, it's. Or, or man up. Man yeah. That's a big one. Man up. Yeah. yeah. Cowboy up, boy. <laughs> <laughs> For real, man. Put it's... on your big boy pants. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you know what's a good one? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, you like go. that's a. I like that one that's too. That's a, it's, it's literally physically impossible. <laughs> You know, but I mean, talk even toxic positivity is even more kind of like uh, silent. There's just this, like, even you know, even you just now saying calling those uh, maladaptive coping mechanisms toxic. I yeah. could twist that and say they're like a cast, you know, and they might be useful for a time, mm. uh, but then they become restrictive. You know, it's like there's so many tricky ways that we are shitting on ourselves awesome. and there might be a lot of truth. I don't know if it's a hundred percent, you know, to just be like really super easy on ourselves. But if you're the kind of person that gets shut down, that gets like restricted or, or feels overwhelmed, and maybe that's all of us at a certain threshold, Absolutely. like just fucking go easy on yourself. Yeah. We're, we're just going to die anyway. Like just stop taking it so seriously. And take how you feel more seriously. And that does sound like a cop-out. And it can be maybe in a lot of circumstances. But I don't know. I, I, it's, I, it's, there has to be a, a balance. There has to be a middle there. I think, uh, yeah, obviously we're talking about like knowing your own tank and what you can do. But I think that social media has really taken the problem to the next level. And, um, I mean, I used to post on that so much more regularly and I got off, I think because of the toxic positivity mm -hmm. and, you know, people say like, just pivot your business and just do this. And, you know, this is an amazing opportunity. And it's like, yeah, it's okay. But look at the statistics hmm. for real. Like we're, you know, we're, we're admitting it. We're, we're open men we're open with our emotions, which I love, <laughs> right? We, we're having a hard time. Mm -hmm. Um, or, or challenging time is a hard, is a better way to say it. But look at the statistics. Um, average uh, weight increase is 15 to 20 pounds. Uh, drug use, all-time high. Um, alcohol sales, understandably. Um, depression, anxiety, mental health issues. Now we're, we're looking at some really significant long-term issues, especially in the children. Lack of social interactions with others can also have long-lasting negative effects. So these are things that we can't ignore. And there's no amount of just pivot and <laughs> just adapt and buy yourself a home gym. Yeah. And now's the perfect time, moms, 
to, <laughs> to, to balance your, your family. And, and it's just so unrealistic for so many people. Mm. And, you know, I think, I think there was a comment made to me um, and I just, I, I just brushed, brushed it off because, um, you know, I used to be like work out all the time and, and everything like that. And they said like, dude, I'm so surprised you don't have a home gym. And I'm, and I, my first thought, like, uh, you know, it's expensive. And I think, but I'm thinking like, F you. Like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, um, yeah, I'd love to have a home gym and I'd love to have all that money to spend. And as you guys know, finding weights these days is just crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. yeah. I got lucky, uh, recently bought a kettlebell. It's yeah. my baby. I love it so much. It's like a toy. Yeah. Like, I'm so happy that I have it. But I got it. I got a 35 pounder on Amazon for $66. And that's not that bad. I, I didn't get crazy shipping fees because it was heavy. I don't understand why I got it for so cheap. I don't know if it was just a window of opportunity. I have this uh, app also. It's like a, a, um, a plugin for my browser called uh, uh, Keepa, K E E P A. Yeah. And uh, it, it creates a chart on my Amazon on the Amazon page for the item that shows you the price, the, the, the prices in the past, kind of like a stock. So you can see if it's like ridiculously high, like don't buy it right now. It's really oh, useful. Yeah, it's very, very useful. There's yeah, also really there's like, do you have the space for a home gym? Like I go outside, but Not I mean, everyone. now like, you know, how much like I, I also got a kettlebell as well before this whole COVID thing. Yeah. But uh I don't know. It's just it's just one of those things where that's why I think that working out is more of a privilege now. Mm-hmm. And you know, when when you used to deadlift four hundred pounds, whatever, and now you're like, I can't even find four hundred pounds of anything. Yeah, go lift a car <laughs> or something. Like, go grab the I'll bumper. Just do body squats. I'll just do push-ups. And you're like, you're trying to figure things out, but it's just not the same. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just. So but also realize, the, well, the propensity for maladaptation in general, you know, like, like you said, like uh, these co all these things are like cofactors and it's like, how were you raised? What are your belief systems and, and your subconscious uh, psychology, like uh, yeah. mechanisms, like what, are, what ideations are you like uh, predisposed to and all this complicated shit, you know, like if someone is having, someone needs to squat deeper, like, okay, maybe you can find a kettlebell, maybe you can make one, maybe you can start doing pistol squats, like you can find some really good ways to, to like, you can remove excuses, let's say, you know, like, like to, to get, but there's still all this other stuff. There's so much stuff. Humans are complicated. I, I have this joke. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to put it. Like, imagine you could see the spirituality of things. I feel like humans would be huge. I feel like we would be these massive, complicated, like, just like cities of ideas and, 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 uh, I don't know what, like, you know, we're just this human thing. We're just this body. We're like monkeys. It's simple in a lot of ways, but we're just, there's so much association and so much, so much confusion and so much, uh, rapid unconscious thinking and karma. Just like, we're just these crazy four dimensional snowballs, like just going in every direction. Like, uh, it's, 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 it's a lot. It's a lot, man. (laughs) We we get, we gotta, we gotta be easy on ourselves. Yeah, and I think, and I think that uh, again, from an evolutionary perspective, we have lost that ability. We are oh yeah overstimulating our emotions and our senses and our nervous system. 
And that overstimulation is not just watching a screen all day at work, but also using a screen to relax. That stuff is stimulation, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I read a report uh, last year that says that social interaction through a screen is not the same way because there's so many other dimensions that you're missing, right? So I see you guys in two dimensions. I can't smell you. I can't. <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> it's the first one I thought of too, though. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> It's a thing. Uh, but we, we, we have shown that uh, social interaction over online is not the same way. You do not get that oxytocin and that serotonin as you would with in-person mm. contact. Yeah. And that obviously has its roots in evolution. Mm. We've never been evolved to form online um, relationships. So what is that? what are the consequences of that? Well, we're seeing it right now heightened anxiety, depression, isolation, loneliness, uh, maladaptive coping mechanisms with uh, drugs, alcohol, and food. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this, we always, I always go back to the evolution in order to understand why am I feeling this way? Mm. Um, when you're talking about anger, you, you made me think of this perfect example of being in traffic. Someone cuts you off. You take it personally. This guy doesn't know you. You don't know him, but you're thinking, how dare he treat me with such disrespect? That had an immense benefit when we lived in a small community because we all knew each other. And you had to protect your status, your reputation in that. So therefore, it was completely um, valid for you to get angry because you knew that Thog is a dick <laughs> and you need to fight for it you know what fight for your right but that is exactly what road rage is all about it's a maladaptive anger based on something that you understand like yeah this guy did something wrong i probably did it to someone else at one point i know i have <laughs> like oh sorry he's like fingers and fingers like oh how rude okay <laughs> but now damn now you understand the evolutionary basis of it understanding your emotions as soon as you start getting pissed now we're mindful now now that we're being mindful after listening to this podcast right mm -hmm. you're thinking like hey wait a that's not fog yeah. that's just a dude <laughs> that took it really angry and he took it personally and i took it personally yeah. and you know my wife has some funny stories now that i really don't get angry and you're gonna get some people some people who are like really pissed off at me because they think that i cut in front of them in front of the line and, I, and they get even angrier seeing how serene I am. I love that, I, right? It's like there's a, it's like Dude, there's if I'm a base you're amount being like, of anger. Oh, Mr. Cool, and be like, oh, just. <laughs> yeah. It can so go I, both ways. Gonna... It can calm someone down or it can just amplify their anger. At least in my experience, it's always amplified. But it, ha it has happened that when you approach it in that calmer manner, it kind of cools the situation. But yeah, my friend had a great quote. He's like, anger is your you're drinking the poison and expecting your enemy to die. It's like, it just doesn't work, right? Well said. I like yeah, that. I love that quote. And it's a great way to see it. But now I'm seeing why these mindfulness practices and these, I think it was four or five pillars that you're talking about, uh, they are almost, well, they're necessary, but especially in today's times, because today's times are built off unconscious behaviors and it's marketing that unconscious mind in a lot of sense. So it's these practices really, it's like, we have evolved into this into a city now we have these mechanisms that are hitting our evolutionary our chimp brains and 
it's not needed. A chimp brain is not really needed in this environment. So we need to really amplify the meditative process and the unprogramming of these ancient uh, evolutionary mechanisms because they're just not serving us in this environment. So it's like, like a clear example in modern world is like at nighttime after my day of work, I can take my phone out and do the Uber Eats and whatever. And that would just be that mechanism of whatever survival back then it would have been useful in, in that time frame. But right now it's, it's, it's going to be working against me. So yeah. creating that, that mindfulness practice, stopping before I click the button, just that alone is breaking those patterns. And then repet- repetition on that, you create momentum. And that's how you're going to kind of turn these, these patterns off. And we can talk about tricks um, on how to do that. I have been looking up on that and trying what works and what doesn't work because it's very individual. Hmm. But it reminded me that we did talk about the four pillars and I only mentioned three. Yeah. The fourth one is by following the eightfold path. If you're thinking correctly, feeling correctly, te- treating people correctly, treating yourself correctly, all these things will lead to nirvana, right? Enlightenment. In our parlance, that actually means authenticity. You become an authentic person, which means that mm. when you've lost your business and your business is up in flames, you're angry, let it out, be angry. You have a complete right to be angry. When someone's treating you badly and it makes you feel sad, be sad. These are authentic people. And authentic people also understand that if there's a dick who's treating them badly, they're not going to get insulted because they're saying like, yeah, this is your problem. I like who I am. Um, Empathy. And they understand with politeness. Yeah. They're like, well, listen, I got to go. It was nice meeting you and going out. And they just come back and they're like, well, that person's got a lot of issues. Hmm. Nothing to do with me. I think, I think that'd be amazing to live your life like that. Fully <sighs> authentic. It's, it's, uh, it's such a run-on effect too because you start seeing the benefit and then you, it's, it becomes its own anticipatory mechanism. And uh, I mean, that, that's maybe a trap. You know, a lot of times these spiritual levels uh, all have a, let's say, a, like a, a seat for the ego, uh, if you will. And it's funny that you brought up Nirvana because I recently learned that the word translates to no self. Like, oh, really? yeah, so it's, no, it's a, like, know thyself. No, like N O like not a person anymore. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's, we could, we could have some fun with that pun for sure, but it's, it is the same thing. That's kind of what I'm getting at because when you yeah. meditate and you start creating the space between your, your ability to observe your kind of, uh, base, uh, self, uh, versus vis-a-vis your body and your mind mm-hmm. you kind of you be there there's this trinity that occurs and you you mm-hmm. you really create a distance so that there's a there's more lag there's a bigger ping between what's going on in your exterior life and how your interior life reacts so you literally become by knowing yourself better you 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 kind of become less of a person and you become more of this just like uh immutable awareness you know like this this magical beautiful thing you know that you that you tap into when you when you meditate eventually and uh and there's that there's that synonymous thing there's there's you know enlightenment can can feel more tangible these days maybe and be like just this this brighter easier way of living and then but but nirvana literally does mean you're not a guy you're not a person anymore 
you know, which might be kind of freaky and scary, but like we could, we could play with that middle ground where, where the practice of meditation is literally creating like distance, like just Mm. literally space so that when something occurs, you don't like da 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 and react. And they talk about it in Buddhism. We learn about it in in Vipassana. Like there's, there's going to be, I've brought it up in the in the podcast before. It's a perfect uh, uh, example. The the Dalai Lama said, like, don't beat yourself up if you get startled. Like, if if you hear a gunshot and you go, <gasps> like, like that's normal, yeah. you know. So like, you might you'll get angry. You gotta you gotta express that, let it out, uh, acknowledge it, accept it. Uh, but anything past that, the mm-hmm. guilt of feeling it, the shame, the defense mechanism, the, all of that can be whittled away and eventually completely halted. Those those are more of a choice. And that mm-hmm. is just really good. That's really, it's worth talking about. It's worth yeah. pointing out. And, so. it's, and the Buddhism yeah. is just like a, a laundry list of practices to, to yeah. enhance that. Yeah. It's like a blueprint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think this is why, because um, I actually, I actually met the Dalai Lama on two separate what? occasions. Cool. Yeah. Um, I did my master's in uh, Dharamsala in northern India on Tibetan Highlanders. And um, while I was there, I was helping this guy from Philadelphia teach English to the Tibetan refugees. And it just so happened that the Dalai Lama was in town. Um, I think it was, I want to say May, maybe March, one of those M months, (laughs) where he gives a public meditation. And I remember going for it. And I was not the kind of guy who can say cross-legged for three hours. I was just so uncomfortable. And that the place was so tight. We heard rumors that Uma Thurman and Richard Gere were there as well. I hadn't seen them, but at the time they were really into Tibetan Buddhism. Oh, and that guy from Beastie Boys too, Adam. Anyway, so obviously it's not cool <laughs> to be starstruck when you're there, but like I'm mentioning it now as if like I'm just name dropping. Yeah. Let you know that, oh man, and I was like, while well, he was he was speaking Tibetan, we had uh, headphones because there were translators who were speaking French, English, and German. And I went for one day, and it was a three day thing, and I just said I couldn't. I was just so uncomfortable. I was getting annoyed. The translator was supposed to be learning how to meditate, and it was free. Hmm. But several weeks later, um, the Dalai Lama was uh, having a special dinner for um, foreign people who are helping the Tibetan community, the refugees. And the teacher, the English teacher from Philadelphia was invited and he asked me to be his plus one because mm-hmm. I was helping him teach English through song. I play guitar, you know. And, nice. And Tibetans love love songs. They love love songs. So I was singing um, Careless Whisper, but <laughs> I didn't know how to play, but I learned it because, yeah. man, they love love songs. And R.E.M., Everybody Hurts. Easy song to play, Classic. but now I'd be walking in the streets and I could hear behind me, everybody would be like, oh, okay. <laughs> You're that so, yeah. guy, yeah. <laughs> so I was invited to uh, to be uh, to have dinner with, well, you know, not with him, but for that occasion, we, we met him. That's cool. Um, so that was, that was a great, great um, aspect of it. And, you know, when anybody who meets him will understand how humble this guy is. Mm. And he makes you feel as if, it's a pleasure for him to meet you. Hmm. And even back then, I think I was 27 years old, you know, just a few years ago. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was like way, way different. But I, back then, I thought like, oh my god, that's how I want other people to feel after I meet them, oh. to make them feel as if they're the best thing. Meeting them is the best thing that happened to me today. And that's how it made me feel, and that's how I made everybody feel. Yeah, people yeah. open a door for you sometimes when they're maybe in either direction. But I mean, I not I don't want to fluff your ego, but like I've I've had a great time knowing you, man. You've really helped me out when I was depressed and and like you just uh gave me your time and I get a feeling now that it's like a a light that shines through him shined into you and shined into me now. It's it's kind of like uh we get permission to be less and less shitty. And I mean <laughs> Maybe I'm just I'm just trying to be careful with my words, but we're 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 trying and activating some kind of niceness, and that's really cool. I like that. Well, it, it, it taps into really, it taps into that quote that everyone talks about: it's like treat others the way you want to be treated. And it's like you experience that kind of feeling from the Dalai Lama, and it's like, wow, I felt incredible. Like I want to make people feel that way. It's like, it's like, it's like when you feel a piece of the truth let's say you want to share it you don't want to hold on to it so it's this he made you feel this way just by being present and just by greeting you and saying hello and it's just it was such pure love and and presence that it's like fuck uh, like this is how i want to lead my life you know yeah yeah uh it was and i didn't go that for that trip for that mm. i just happened to be there when it happened and i wasn't a meditating kind of guy <laughs> at all i was like I wasn't even sporty, you know? Mm. Really? I was just long-haired, want to travel, bro, and take <laughs> <laughs> it out and, you know, travel the world kind of thing. And we thought that the Dharamsala was definitely a beautiful place and uh, magical. Sure. Anyway, uh, so that, that was definitely a life-changing moment. And I think that when you're not living a reactive life, and I was blessed that then, and I always say you should always travel to other cultures because it does shake your reality. Mm. And once you come back, you know, not from a resort or a perfectly planned thing, but you know, you need to have experienced the bad with the good and understand that, oh, my trip was so shitty. No, no, no. No, I learned like that. What I learned from that, I got like, oh, mm. that made me realize how lucky I have it. When you're a white dude, uh, again, I'm very privileged that I was able to travel on my own as a white male. I'll, I'll, I'll own it. You know, I don't think it's uh, a type of passport. <laughs> I, I really realized it as well. A Canadian passport, absolutely. Oh, yeah. that the, uh, the having that, but I meant, I meant being a white dude is like yeah. a is like a biological type okay. of passport. Yeah, but but being Canadian really just, that, that does help too. Yeah, it does. It really Yeah, does. you can go around the world yeah. and like it, everyone loves you automatically. Yeah, so you get you get that experience uh and I can I, you know I can't say how it would be for anybody else, but I was blessed. Um I didn't make it out alive and I didn't have some unpleasant experiences as I did have pleasant, but nonetheless you came back with uh the ability to to explore yourself, to really understand, holy crap, my culture is shitty because of this, 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 but my culture is amazing because of this, this, this. And um, when you're in other cultures and you, just, and you have these conversations with locals, mm -hmm. um, it's mind opening. Mm -hmm. And I really, you know, I'll say it, listen, 
take a break from school after you finish a degree or even before, it doesn't matter, but take the time to travel around cultures that are very dissimilar to your own. That's what my recommendation is. There's nothing as mind-blowing to see how differently people live on the planet. But then when you talk to them, like you said, how similar everybody is. Yeah. It's it's really enlightening. Like sure. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, when I was in Thailand, I I had one memory, it's a random one, but it sticks. I was just on my scooter just fucking off into nowhere and just just going on a road, you know? And I remember I got kind of lost and I was seeing like these farmers like betting on chickens. I guess they were doing like a chicken auction. <laughs> but I remember it seeing like four. Yeah, it was weird. It could have been a cockfight. You sure? <laughs> no, it might have been. But they were on like these pedestals and they were all throwing money. Maybe it was pre-fight. They're all, I don't know. I didn't stick around long enough. You don't even know what you were looking at. Yeah. You're just like, it's just what like the that. Fuck? Like, yeah. But then <laughs> I remember distinctively seeing like four or five kids, four years old, five, maybe up to nine years old, like very young. And they had, they were like, their house was a kind of, it looked almost like one of those container houses, those container ships, like yeah. very small, uh, kind of a mess. And there was trash on the on the left of the house, just like piles of um, garbage and recycling and just old boxes. And these kids made a slide at the top of this little trash hill. And they were all going down and cheering and laughing and one after another. And I just driving by and I remember it was like a three second look like glaze. And then I continued. But I remember I'm like, fuck, they're having just as much fun as anyone else in any part of the world who has like a home or whatever, they, they're just joy. They're experiencing joy and joy is not reliant on getting that slide in your backyard or having like a nice set of toys. Like joy is joy and you can experience it in all avenues. And it was very humbling because it's, it made me rethink how we go about creating that or uh, creating that joy within and in our environment. It's, it's, it's very externalized, you know, Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. That's the second noble truth, right? The basis of suffering is desire. If That's those it. children say, this sucks, I want a real park, they'll all be sad. That's it. But they don't have that desire, therefore they're having the best time of their lives. It's, it's a mind fuck, yeah. It's yeah. Like, this is what? something that we should incorporate into our lives. Being grateful, like amazing, we got a garbage slide. <laughs> yeah, That's, yeah. But it's it. It's like they don't deserve your. Uh, they don't deserve your pity. As much as you no, think, they're and, having and, a, they're having a blast, and you deserve oh, more pity, sort of like in a way, like you look at your own life, like it's 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 mind blowing. It's mind blowing. There's, there's no a to, one yeah. of our mutual friends, uh, Mathieu. He had a great quote, and I don't know what to make of it, but it applies to this. He was it was like the um, I don't think it was his quote. It might have been Jesus, but the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. It's that like Bob Dylan. That's Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. <laughs> But it makes so much sense. It's like w- the first shall be last. We're just so occupied by getting more and more and more. And those who have almost nothing kind of find this this sense of peace. I'm, look, I'm generalizing hugely, but I'm saying is they, they have way more core values than a lot of us who just have all this externalized uh, resources. And we just because you see it in the numbers and the statistics, depression rates are super yeah. high where we should be living in enlightenment with what we have. Like yeah. we have it all, quote unquote. Um, we have the money to buy whatever we need and to buy any kind of food we want at the grocery store. But yet the numbers are showing that depression's increasing. So it makes you wonder what do we really have and what are we first for when we're actually might be last for a lot of things. Have you guys ever heard of... Uh... 
ah, what is it called? Um, morte, amore morte. Oh, sure. Uh, uh, Jesus, I can't remember. The love, yeah. uh, the love of death or to think of death. I don't even know if it's right. Uh, hold but... on, hold on. It's no, it was the German guy. Uh, memori morti or something like that. I don't know. Maybe we're not talking about the same thing now. Memori morti. I think that's the one. Yeah. Remember death. Yeah. And, um, Max what you're saying exactly, remember. exactly what we should be thinking about. Because when you're on your deathbed, mm. imagine it. Who do you want there to be? Who are you surrounded by? What are you going to tell them? Like, listen, before I die, I want you to give you my piece of advice. And they say like, hey, you know, grandfather, what do you regret in your life? Who's going to say, I wish I had more Instagram followers. I wish I had a better car. I wish that I had gone to the gym more often. No, 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 no. Because when at the end of your life, you want to look back and you think, what were the most important things to me? And it's almost always going to be your family, your relationships, your friends, your, your, your children, all these people. And this is what we forget because we don't, we don't think about death. But remember that one day we're all going to die. And so you're going to regret those not spending enough time with your kid thinking I'm too busy to work. And we're all trapped there. So, yeah, so I remember this. And every time I have, this is why we spoke about this last time, why I get up at 4.30, my reasoning to mm. get all my stuff that I need to get done as fast as possible. Because I already know that when I get back from work, I'm not working. I'm spending time with my family. Mm. And a lot, a lot, a lot of people think like, oh, you know what, can I, I got, I'm so overloaded. Can I do this? Can I do that? I feel this way too. But, um, Memore morti. When I die, you know, what's going to be the cat in the cradle kind of shit. I don't want that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> it's almost like a, like we, like it's kind of full circle. Like we talked about just pressure creating like a, like a, a good stress, you know, like that's like a spiritual pressure, like just this overarching, like, this is a truth. We're going to die. This is going to end. Yeah. And this, it kind of makes me think of like, a, like a, inner child work when when you're doing like psychotherapy like it's it's about what do you really want what have you always wanted and then and at the beginning and at the end of your life there's everything just gets crammed into this instant that you call like your life and you realize you just wanted like the good food and the love and the and the be happy and the make other people happy and and hard work too and the ups and the downs and the contrast and you just you know i i i I, I'm probably romanticizing death a little bit here, but I feel like people who have the luxury of of being kind of aware that they're passing, there you reach enlightenment. You just kind of hit this like, you know, like it it is what it is. It was what it was. See you in the next one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if we're lucky to die and have natural causes. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Some people like something whizzes through their skull and they just like they get they get turned off and I, I don't i don't know what that experience is like <laughs> wait i didn't have time to do this yeah, just, no. uh, uh, i don't know man. Uh, i should have posted that instagram post earlier <laughs> but, but, but this is example is just shows you how unvaluable that really is and how much weight we put on it in the in in our actual life but if you put that example into deathbed that's the last of anyone's mind is what they're thinking about is instagram likes and posts but we put so much weight on it from our day-to-day -day life not all of us, but a lot of us are just absorbed in this time-wasting experience when if you if you put that deathbed scenario and you brought it up to them, they wouldn't oh. talk about 
anything to do with social media. Or they'd be like, God, you're so morbid. (laughs) 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 Who can't blame them? Like, I I think about death because maybe I, you know, trying to be more self-aware. But absolutely. But think about all this is based on evolution. That dopamine fix, that, that social acceptance that, oh my God, people love me. It's fake, right? We know this. It's fake, but damn, we're making money off of this. They're influencers. There's uh it's man, like it 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 I wouldn't say it pisses me off, but I'm thinking like, damn, you know, I could have become an influencer and I could have been a millionaire. But wow, I think I'd be so depressed because my income is based on my ability to post and to post and to post and to post and to realize that I gotta be always on because let's face it, we don't post about when we're sad, most of us. Yeah. Or going through a hard time or things are just not ideal or whatever. Anyway, so just, you just got to understand that, you know, our online lives are filtered. And <laughs> it's a mask on top of a mask. Yeah, it's not the F word I was going to use, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fake. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's only showing the best, the best of each moment. And that can be so damaging for people that aren't in that best of their moment. And seeing that if you're in a depressed state or whatever, and you're just seeing everyone's just posting smiles and just at the gym. And, you know, I, I saw a breakdown, a lot of these influencers who like take photos in like beautiful Lamborghinis, like someone broke down how to, how it actually happens. And they go and they rent these Lamborghinis. They have like a, they go near like a rich property and they take the photo in like their best suit. And then they return the car right after. And that was like their photo shoot. Fake it till you make it. And, but <laughs> so people see that and then, <laughs> Yeah, that could motivate 0.1% of the population, but it's doing way more damage than positivity. It's look what I have. It's it's not, it's very damaging. Yeah. Even it, I mean, you know, I don't want to get too complicated, but like a lot of people are noticing this and then trying to put, trying to get ahead of the curve and be like, okay, like how do I, how do I change the mask so that people still like it? And then you start showing vulnerability. You start saying, oh, I'm not wearing makeup today or like, oh, look, I was crying because blah. And th- that's better. I, I see the value in that, obviously, because of what you just talked about. But it's still a mask on a mask. This is simulacra. We're, this this is scary. If you're oh, yeah. if you're not careful, there is almost nothing of reality left over because we are projecting a personality yeah. in real life, and now and we are projecting. Sorry. What if you have sponsors? What if your social yeah. media is your income? What if your it's your business? Yeah. That's squirrely, man. How real can you get? That is weird. Yeah, that is weird. That is weird territory. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. But I, think, I think if you're going to be authentic, I think you you understand that you need to um, under really be clear about why you're using social media, what for, and that was that's actually my plan. Understanding that I'm not a big fan of social media anymore. At the time, I was, but what I want to use social media for is for zero cost knowledge. I love teaching. I love talking on podcasts like this. Uh, I love discussions and things like this. And I think that I would love to use social media for me, but I really don't want to spend the time on it. So got a job, not relying on social media as a form of income and everything. Mm-hmm. It's my money. I'll hire someone who loves social media. Let them become depressed. <laughs> 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 Posting pictures of stuff, you know. <laughs> That's the plan. That's the plan. 
we'll we'll, ca- we'll catch up in a in a, you know in a year from now where I have like way more of a social media presence. It, yeah, that's that's such a funny image. I mean, it, we're we're all working like no one likes their job 100 percent of the time you know so i'm just picturing some person like you're delegating it's a it's a smart thing to do but like they're <laughs> they're like fuck bro it's like i could be doing this for myself or like i wanted to go outside today like it's, it's literally just a job for them and it, but it would be it's depressing it's i don't like it either i i love the podcast i love the ability to do this but like it there's so much uh there's so much uh it's a yin yang thing you know like there's so much i don't like about it but it's worth it and it's like you got to find the balance because it's that's that's a shell uh, that's that's a part of your existence within the bigger experience that also needs to be balanced and it's like this gets complicated but it's the baby and the and the beast you know you have to i don't know how you guys did it yet are you consistent with your content yeah he did the brunt man you got the brunt of it it's hitting the red line though because i i'm like you i'm the social media is just getting to me and i just yeah. you know i think it's at a point where the podcast is incredible and we won't stop doing it but the, the the marketing aspect is just not my soul that's not where i like to be yeah. you know but it's, it's unfortunate that the reality is that that's the kind of avenue you have to take when you go down these public routes until we can delegate i think mm-hmm. that if you do have that zero cost mentality yeah. we're doing a podcast because we love doing it that's it the moment you think i need to make i need to monetize this somehow it will remove the authenticity of it that's it then because now i got to market the crap out of it i got to sell it i got to say remember everybody subscribe and like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah we just started doing that actually we realized we hadn't been doing it for for the whole time we're like guys 80% of you are not subscribed. Like, help us out. Yeah, you got to upsell. You got to... Absolutely. And... Um, it puts, yeah, there's, a, it there's, puts there's, a fly in the ointment, for sure. Ah, there you go. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So you lo- I, I love the idea of a podcast. I think you guys love the podcast itself, but it's the, that, that stupidness that... Well, not stupidness, the necessities. Yeah of surrounding that podcast. You obviously want people to listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. I think it's an amazing podcast. I've listened to, to a few. Thank, Thank you. Um, I think you guys are just like authentic. You know, you're not afraid to um, keep it, not sterilized, but uh, programmed, you know? So I've been on podcasts where I was given a list of questions mm-hmm. um, and we have a tight time schedule and that's fine. You know, every you know, there's no set format. But you guys basically have like, let's just talk. And I like that. That's the curiosity of uh, the two chimps over here. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's. I don't think we would do it any other way. Like, it's the best. It's just uh, not us. Like, yeah. we we spoke about it from the beginning when we started this. It's just like, yeah, we'll just let's. And from our first episode, we just showed up and talked, and then we never changed the format since. <laughs> yeah, we never stopped. I think the, the, <laughs> the first place we had, we had like a time constraint because we were renting the studio. Wow. And I'm telling you, just having that limit, both of our personalities don't do well with, with like limits or boundaries. So me and him, just for having an hour conversation, at the 55-minute mark, we felt like it was amping up, and we got a little bit upset that it was ending. We had to end it at one hour. So then we built this place, and now it's just... You know, we go. Well, it looks good, guys. Thank you, man. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to having it in person one day. Yes, we would love to have you in uh, physically one day. I'm in nutrition, but we didn't talk about nutrition today. (laughs) 
<laughs> I really, yeah, we're, we're, I guess we, we could wrap it up, you know, I don't know how much extra time you have, but like, I, I had a bunch of ideas of like, uh, <laughs> you know, food, like lab, food labeling, uh, he wanted to ask him for questions about dopamine yeah, and, and fasting and all that. And all right, so. well, let's, let's hit these questions. If they're directed, I'll be there. Oh be yeah. Let's, right. let's, I think we did this last time too. Like we just like, we do a, like a rapid fire. I've been rapid drinking fire. coffee lately because I think I have ADHD. What, what do you have any thoughts on that? You have a problem? Are you having any issues sleeping? No. Well, yeah, you fixed that actually. You actually helped me with that, with like ah, turning the lights off, red filters, uh, waking up at the same yeah. time every day, even on the weekends. Like, so it's it's not a it's working out. Yeah, no, coffee is one of those really complex things that uh, is so genetically determined. Hmm. Whether you're a slow metabolizer or a fast metabolizer, the best thing for you to understand is like saying, I think we all know it intuit intuitively. If I have one more cup, I'm going to get the jitters. If I have one more cup, yeah. I'm going to get an upset stomach. Yeah, so no, understanding no. that the, the reason why caffeine, you know how, how caffeine works? It blocks the adenosine receptors in your brain. Oh, no. I'm not, I'm not so sure. what, as soon as you wake up, you basically have um, a buildup of adenosine which adenosine is part of your DNA, right? But it's just a compound that just builds up throughout the day. And this is called sleep pressure. And what happens is that like, you have oh, this yes. like metaphorical dam and adenosine builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up. And then when it reaches the dam, you have this overwhelming desire to fall asleep. This is completely independent of your circadian rhythm. It's basically a plan B. So one, what if I ask you, like, do you go to bed like exhausted? And you said like, yeah, I said like, listen, you're always relying on plan B. It's going to mess you up because you're ignoring your circadian rhythm by watching Netflix up until 2am in the morning and always on your phone. So that's what caffeine can do. And if you're using caffeine too much, you build a resistance that dam gets higher and higher and higher and higher. So then it can affect your sleep quality. So if I ask you, does caffeine, does your caffeine intake affect your sleep quality? You say, no, I don't see a problem with it. That's you it. got people who can drink six espressos right before bedtime. It has no <laughs> yeah. effect. You got some people that's just like, no way. So I, um, I, 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 I take days off. I, I drink a small amount. I dilute it with water, which I mean, ruins the taste a little bit, but I, I can't drink hot liquids. <laughs> but I also avoid, I make it at home. I have a good quality coffee that, that uh, I don't remember the brand name right now, but like when you drink like McDonald's or like Starbucks coffee, it has like seven times more caffeine. So like even if you get a small, a great you will get the the jitters. Yeah. yeah, like it's for people who need who who have a tolerance. So like the wow. fact that I take a day or two off every week and like I'm actually thinking of it, I'm treating it with respect. Like it's a it's a powerful, um, like stimulant. It's a drug, you know. So so yeah. Do, do, you, do you have a does it idea? mess with your? Because um, if you're doing intermittent fasting or going for like a forty eight hour fast or even a three day fast, having coffee does that in start the digestive process? No, well, there's zero calories in black coffee, okay. right? So it won't ne negatively affect your fast. But here's where I can see that it might affect your stress levels. Because if your cortisol is up, and listen, cortisol level, cortisol is natural. It gets you up in the morning. Hmm. Caffeine will raise that cortisol even more. Okay. Um, if you have chronic stress and that cortisol is always up, and all of a sudden you spike it in the morning, then we have anxiety levels and stress levels. And then we have to ask him like, why am I intermittent fasting? Is it to lose fat? You're not going to be losing fat. That cortisol is blocking fat, um, fat mobilization. Is it to uh, be aware and to, to get like the um, brain derived neurotropic factor? No, that cortisol is, is messing that too. 
So you understand the role that coffee can play is not necessarily due to I'm fasting, but due to why are you fasting? What's your goal? Okay. Because mm -hmm. if you let it go, like I've been fasting for five days and you know, I'm not sleeping well. And all of a sudden on Saturday, you just binge because mm -hmm. that elastic just snapped. <laughs> it's not necessarily that, good. That was that's what happened to me. That's how I developed nighttime feeding, um, overfeeding syndrome, see. Uh, nighttime eating disorder. There we go. That's exactly what happened. I'm, uh, I'm wonder, I'm curious cause I, I kind of understand how calories work. It's a, it's very, it's pretty complicated, but like, uh, I feel like coffee is, uh, something needs to be processed. Like, I feel like it does break the fast. It just, it just nets zero calories or maybe it just doesn't have anything that will make you fat in it, but you're still like putting something in the system that though is mostly water is is a lot of this bean like this mineral light like this very like you know sometimes you have a little bit of of like the the the, the grain like left in the coffee and you just go like what like it's this like really intense thing so I, yeah. I i don't is there any like is that true at all do you find or is it really just uh, like doesn't coffee break the has thing? no calories so calories come from four we usually uh five like, let me put in five the three main ones are carbohydrates <laughs> carbohydrates, fats, and protein. We also have ketones, which are produced endogenously. We also have alcohol that can produce calories as well. Apart from that, nothing. So coffee is basically just bean water, right? But if we go back to that cortisol, what it can do is like, no, you're not taking in calories, but you might actually be compromising your ability to burn calories from your fat stores. Because That's stressed. where the issue is. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. What about vitamins while you while you fast? Taking like vitamin supplements with the water should that is that kind of well? I guess there's no sugars in it, but like vitamin D and B12 and all those kind of things during your fast would that affect your fast at all? Depends on how sensitive you are. The, the main things that's going to break your fast is omega three because they are fats, yeah. right? Um, but it's highly individual because these are essential fats, and if your body needs them, they're not going to burn them for energy. They're going to incorporate them into your nervous system, into your brain. Mm. Um, but it's not just essential fats that are in that fish capsule. There are other fats that will be used for energy. Okay. But, okay, you're taking two capsules. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is it going to transiently break your fast? Maybe if you're ultra sensitive. But the fact is, is that your body is not a 100% efficient absorber of, of calories, right? You're going to, you, your, your body decides what to do with what, when, and where based on your current metabolic state, your age, hmm. your environment. So there's, it's a very, very difficult answer to, um, very question to answer. But apart from that, if you are taking vitamin supplements like vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin E, no, they won't break your fast. Um, you need to experiment to understand, like, I don't feel, my stomach doesn't feel good with, with these, um, supplements. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about apple cider vinegar, that's acetic acid. Um, those are actually going to be produced, producing ketones mm -hmm. in your gut, um, which will be used by your gut bacteria as a source of energy. But will some of them be absorbed by your gut? Possibly. Will they break your fast? Likely not, but possible. So these are all very, very individual. And that's why you need to experiment and to understand why am I fasting? 
Is it that important to be completely fasted? Because even if you do drink apple cider vinegar or omega-3, guaranteed there's what? Two, three calories? You're right. Yeah. It's not, it's nothing. It's nothing. You're going to go right back into a fully fasted mode in minutes, if not seconds. Fair point. It's true. We get so uh, religious sometimes with these with these uh Automatic, like crazy <laughs> so, you don't want to bitch out man it's the same as the cold showers yeah. you want to make sure you're doing it right and yeah. you always feel like you're you're cheating yourself or copping out or something yeah actually i wanted to ask you about immunity because right now with these covid measures and all these things it's a huge topic for sure. it's, a, it's a big topic and i think as a new as a phd in nutrition does it frustrate you and maybe you could have some advice because the whole idea about immune systems and just strengthening it is not really spoken about in the media and i'm just wondering like if you have some little tips and vices and things you can really good lead us into that direction yeah we've had this conversation and um several times and we do see obviously those with metabolic disorders have a much higher rate of hospitalization and death by catching covid right now with any virus we there's only one way to kill it, and that's our immune systems, all right? So we need to have a strong immune systems, and we know stress, obesity, diabetes, um, poor sleeping, all these compromise your immune system, all of them. And so we definitely absolutely see that these are the at-risk population. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing younger and younger and younger people and thinking like, oh my gosh, even healthy people. But you're thinking like, are they healthy? Are younger people healthy? I, as a, as a professor, I know that my students, the anxiety and depression from mm. online learning mm. is through the roof. Um, so they might be physically healthy, but mentally, and the immune system is a systemic thing. It doesn't yeah. matter whether you like, you got a six pack, they don't care. If you are stressed emotionally and not sleeping well, your immune system is going to absolutely take it's that, that tank again. Like you said, right? It's- absolutely. Absolutely. And we do have. Uh, you've you've heard the reports about vitamin D yes. being so effective against COVID. Well, this is something that I looked into a little bit more, and it's it's so funny. I was so excited because I told my colleague about this the following day. When I was thinking about vitamin D, and I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, that's that's an important component of our um, of our immune system. But the problem is, is that people were supplementing with vitamin D, and it didn't seem in studies, in clinical controlled studies supplementing vitamin D did not seem to affect the rate of it. And I thought, I don't think it's vitamin D. I think it's sunlight. I think that it's, and sunlight's just got so much more benefits. Mm. And sure enough, yes, we see that people who are exposed to more sun have lower rates of hospitalization. Mm. And so I thought, well, if it's not vitamin D, it might be nitric acid. So what's nitric acid? Have you heard of nitric nitric acid? I know. No. So this is how Viagra works. So nitric oxide is actually produced produced in your skin by exposure to UVA, whereas vitamin B uh, D is produced by UVB. Okay. Right. So sunlight exposure does seem to increase nitric oxide uh, production in your skin cells. And this is a, it's a vasodilator. It dilutes your blood vessels. This is an amazing part of your cardiovascular system. But we also have different isoforms, different variations based on where the tissues are. It's not really clear cut. There's a lot of overlap. But when scientists discovered this, this is just like 
one molecule of nitrogen, one molecule of oxygen. It's a gas. It's very transient. They had a hard, they, they detected it in the 1980s because as soon as you die, how do you detect a gas that's transient? It's almost impossible. But now we can, we can measure it. It's made from arginine, which means that you have to have a, an adequate source of, of protein as well. Mm-hmm. So you have um, nitric oxide in your immune system. You have nitric oxide in your cardiovascular system, and you have nitric oxide in your nervous system. So we call it, for your immune system, they actually call it INOS, so uh, inducible nitric oxide synthase, which is the enzyme that makes it. ENOS, endothelium, which are the muscles that line all the blood vessels in your body, endothelial nitric oxide synthase, ENOS, and then NNOS for neuronal nitric oxide synthase. So these things are much, they're potent messengers. And since they are, they're such an amazing component for your cardiovascular system, your nervous system, and your immune system, it explains so much of why sunlight is so beneficial for us. So much more that even if you control for smoking, it's so much better for you. So let's give an example that you have a person who's a chain smoker, but who goes outside all the freaking time. They're going to outlive the person who is avoiding the sun, but is a non-smoker. Interesting. Even if you have skin cancer, your ability to outlive uh, people who have never been to the sun. Like I, I, I actually wow. got to be careful about saying that. But yeah, if you're a sun avoider or if you lather on sunscreen all the time, yeah, your chances of outliving someone who's actually had skin cancer are actually low, believe it or not. Wow. Like the absolute so, risk is less. Yeah. So we're going to be so like all cause mortality. Yeah. Is the end. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. Yeah, so we I understand mean, how sunlight, sunlight right? is yeah. so important. We know this. Scottish doctors are now prescribing a 45-minute walk in sunlight as an antidepressant because research shows that it's as effective as an SSRI, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Whoa. If you can do it in nature, bonus. Yeah, the green, the... The, the 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 green light spectrum apparently has some effect as well. Like we were talking about blue light uh, affecting uh, circadian yeah. rhythm, and I and I was I was looking it up, and I, it turns out green has an effect as well, which is stupid because I have a green night light that I guess I need to throw out. Now. <laughs> well, E.O. Wilson coined this term. E.O. Wilson is like this famous biologist. He coined this term that I love. It's called biophilia, the love of life. Nice. This explains why we love to have flowers in our hospital room and research shows that the more plants that we have in our hospital rooms, the faster our recovery rate. Hmm. Anxiety is closer, uh, is, is uh, lower in those who are surrounded by nature. The Japanese invented a term called forest bathing. You know, I'm not going sunbathing, I'm going forest bathing, which they understand that being in proximity to other living organisms is, I feel better. Yeah. And so we, we can compare that in studies compared to those who go jogging in city streets, compared to those who go jogging in forests. Mm-hmm. Even if we try to correct with environmental pollution, we, we see that there's massive benefits of being in nature, outdoors. It's funny you mentioned pollution because when I'm in a forest or something, I picture like, you know, like plants give off oxygen. So yeah. I, I, I kind of, I imagine that I'm in some kind of bubble or some kind of like, pure atmosphere that is like um it's just very different functionally like like a a better air quality and it's like this plume or or this like a like a bubble like the and i I recently went to the botanical gardens 
And oh. I was like, you feel it. Like, you just feel it. You feel better. You feel good. You're, even though I'm in the middle of a city, I, I just like the, the, you know, the green, the colors, the different plants, the, the thicker tree areas. Like, you, the air smells better. Everything, it's, 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 it's hard to put your finger on, but it's, it's, it's a type of bath. It's, a, it's mm -hmm. cleansing. It's really something. Yeah, that's so something. If I was to ask you, Sammy, personally, if you were like oceans, mountains, or forests, which one appeals to you personally? She, that's a or tough what one. Natural environment it could be grasslands. It could be tundra. It could be like you're thinking like, yeah, if I close my eyes and I'm thinking like, this is my most peaceful environment where I go. What, what do you picture? Oh, that's a tough one. Mountains are a close one, but I might actually say for I might actually say a forest. Like for a real, like a in the zone kind of, because, you know, you could relax at a beach too, but like it gets hot. There's uh the you know like there's 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 something about a forest where I feel in the zone. Hmm. It's not just that I'm like like relaxed that I'm really calm, like you said. Like I'm really so I don't know. That's a, would it be a temperate forest? Would it be a tropical forest? Will it be? I think a little cool, a little you know like a a little yeah a little on the cold side. Yeah. Yeah. A little sweater weather maybe maybe. If I, yeah, like a little cold, a little bit cold. A couple of a coniferous forest kind of thing, a little bit? I don't know. I, I'm just picturing, like, I, I love that feeling of being, like, it's like sweater weather, but, like, you know, because we, we like the cold a little bit, like, you can take the sweater off and have that little nippy feeling. And there's something about the air, just, I feel like I'm being nourished. I, like I feel like I'm drinking the air Sounds in this moment, right? <laughs> taking me there. <laughs> what about you, Nate? What, what, what about your, your environment? I think... Uh, same as Sammy, a forest, but more of like an, on a summer day, like just a hot environment. So maybe more tropical. But yeah, I just, I asked me this 10 years ago, I would tell you beach 10 times out of 10. ten yeah, be, yeah. But Do now, you have one as well? Yeah, now it's just forest for me. I, I'm, I'm close on mountain, I don't know. Yeah, mountains. Are, the, there's no doubt that, I mean, if you're in the middle of mountains, you're going to feel amazing. If you're by the ocean, you'll feel amazing. If you And that's the idea, right? We are instantly uh, evolutionarily tied to these environments because that's where we evolved. Yeah. And I'm thinking, um, you know, what, what are the environments of our ancestors? Uh, you know, if we trace it, go back far enough, it's, it's, it's Africa. But if we're white skinned, it's because some of us, some of these homo sapiens left Africa with a little bit of a, you know, a small gene pool and that gene pool allowed for genetic variation based on selective natural selection because of environmental pressures. We didn't have access to much sunlight. It got colder. Um, you know, we, you know, if, if you're from Europe, most likely you ran into the Neanderthals. Uh, how they do it? Well, this is interesting. I, I, I actually incorporated this into my presentation that Neanderthal genes, if you're from Europe, one to 4% of your genes are actually Neanderthal, which means we bred with them. Hmm. And they conferred, conferred some advantages and disadvantages. And one advantage was your ability to withstand um, polyaromatic carbons, wood smoke. If you're going to be living up north, you better be making fire all the freaking time. And it seemed that Neanderthals had developed this detoxification system in order to be around wood smoke a lot more. Wow, fascinating. And when Homo sapiens came around, they and bred with them, this was obviously selected for because it caused 
it created a benefit. So now, um, apparently, wood smoke is not as cancerous for those with the Neanderthal gene. That's so cool. Yeah. That's... But there are also apparently some um, disadvantages as well. Apparently, those with the Neanderthal genes are more prone to loneliness, um, anxiety, and depression. Mm-hmm. We're more prone to smoking. We're more prone to um, to uh, sugar addiction. That really? I can I can see why. <laughs> no, not used yeah. to it. So anyway, so it's just it's just interesting when you're looking at the genetics and the evolutionary um, aspects of it, how um, how we are the way we are, and why we love why everybody loves nature. When we close our eyes and real, realize, I want to go to vacation. Where do you want to go to vacation? Very few people want to say downtown LA. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, you're not in a meditative practice visualizing a city. And just a busy city in traffic. You're, you're you're picturing like a forest, a mountain, or the ocean, like you're talking about. Yeah, we're drawn to it. Yeah. It's part of us, and a lot of and and through culture and through technology, we don't see it. But let me ask. Uh, I I I thought this question to myself. I think it's an amazing question, and I I found the answer. But here's the question for you guys: Knowing that we basically more or less took natural selection out of the equation through culture and technology, we're able to reproduce, remove ourselves from environmental stimuli. Is evolution still happening in humans? What do you think? <laughs> what do you got? I think so. I, I, yeah. I Technically speaking, I'd have to say yes also. I just don't, I just feel like we have a big effect on it that we might not realize in the long term. And it might be, uh, we might be, um, we might hit a cul-de-sac. <laughs> I'm kind of, <laughs> we might, yeah, we might, we might get a. Every species is actually, yeah. But what's That's a yeah. scary thought though, if we hit a cul-de-sac. But, but, but there's so many factors to evolution, like epigenetics and just like memories that they're finding. Memories can pass through genes. Like, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, you have a child, but it seems like they're just way more in tune with these electronics than we were ever were and they kind of like i saw i was at a client's house uh, for massage and i saw their child was already on the ipad and the child's barely one and it's like navigating it's already pressing buttons you see those videos where they give a kid a photo and he's, he's trying to swipe yeah yeah i'm just wondering if <laughs> yeah. there's there's something that's propelling them in this direction it's not just culturally maybe it's uh something in the genes passing i don't know but i think that's where the evolution's kind of heading interesting uh, what's your what's your conclusion the answer is yes. So you guys are right. Uh, for evolution, yeah. because evolution... <laughs> we did. Change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we passed the test. <laughs> evolution means change. And in order for change to happen, you have to have two things. One, you have to have a gene pool, which means variety. So we definitely have variety, even though human beings, believe it or not, are not genetically that diverse. I, unless you never left Africa. Africa is like the, the mother pool of genetic diversity. But any, any, any of us whose ancestors decided to leave Africa basically came from a small pocket of, of humans and then uh. basically our genetics. So now we have, uh, now we're intermixing and this is called, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good. It's called heterogeneity. It basically 
the the more the more mixed the better because we're increasing our variety variability in genetics. And second, you got to have some sort of uh, outward influence, which means some sort of pressure. So you're right. The introduction of technology is going to force us to be more comfortable with technology. But even more than that, we are we are still very much influenced by natural selection. COVID, look at us. All our technology and all our cultural adaptations did nothing for a highly, highly virulent virus. So disease can absolutely wipe us out. Climate change can still have an amazing effect on us. Um, a volcano, a meteor, uh, some sort of disaster can absolutely affect us. Nothing our technology. So that's absolute natural selection. It's happened to us in the past where a massive glaciation event happened so that then we had like a, this bottleneck effect where we had thousands of humans and all of a sudden we were reduced to a couple of hundreds. And now we're all descendant from those few hundreds that survived. So forget about all that genetic material, right? Because even though they are very reproductive age, they just basically were wiped out. And what we're seeing now is basically more or less the same thing. In most developed countries, we're seeing a, a lower fertility rate. A lot, of, a lot more people are deciding to either not have children by choice or wait too long and realize they can't do it. So, so say if there's a woman with an, a woman with an allele that gives them a successful birth uh, ability to give uh, birth at 40 years old, whereas you have someone else who's they're trying, they're trying, they're trying, but they're not able to. Obviously, the one who has that allele will pass on that allele. Allele, by the way, is, is uh, a, a variety of gene. It's like one gene, but there's different ways, right? So the allele for blue eyes, green eyes, brown eyes, it's the same gene, but it's a different, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for ver variability in that one gene. So if you have that one gene that actually says like, you know what? Um, yeah, you can be 40, year old, 40 years old and still have a healthy pregnancy. That's going to be passed down. So what are we going to see in thousands of years from now is possibly the fertility, the age of fertility is probably going to be expanded. Um, what if, look at twins. You can have twins now with no problem. Just a few generations ago, having a twin was a huge danger to the mother. So now the, and because having twins runs in the family, it's heritage, there's a higher likelihood that's going to be passed on. So we're going to have a higher incidence of twins. So this is going to shape the fabric of, um, of our genetic pool. And there are some evolutionists, you know, uh, physical anthropologists who are saying like, hey, give it another 10,000 years, we're all going to look like Brazilians. And that's a possible fact as well. The majority of the birth rate right now is happening in, in South America, uh, India, and places where, yeah, with, with modern mi migratory um, patterns, because we definitely see there's definitely countries where people are emigrating from, leaving, and then immigrating to. Hmm. Absolutely. So the, the answer is yes, we're definitely evolving, and we're definitely going to see some changes in... Um, in the human population but this makes thousands. me this makes me wonder could we hijack that system in a sense especially with i'm sure you're familiar with crispr these gene editing softwares that they're yeah. they're working on and eventually that you can actually choose what kind of genes you want to pass on uh, for at least the most basic level eye color and stuff like that but what, what you brought up made me realize that what governs evolution 
is the fact that we give birth and die. Yep. So even though we can really control that and even get ahead of those systems, I mean, I guess you're right. Yeah, we we could totally, and we and we have also maybe unconsciously, but have like directed our evolution in a lot of ways. But then you're saying also like we're all going to look Brazilian, like you know, darker skin or, or brown eyes. Like some things will just be genetically dominant for for whatever luck of the draw reason. That's, yeah, that's what some physical anthropologists think. I don't know okay. what to think. I think that it could, hey, it could go either way. And I think CRISPR is a long time. Like, yeah, oh, sorry. No, you're right. Um, this is called selective, uh, uh, artificial selection. Sorry. Okay. And this is basically just domestication in agriculture. We've been doing it to plants and animals mm. for a long, long time. And the most uh, genetically variable animal in the world is the dog. That's, very, yeah. that's just because of us. All dogs originated from the wolf. And we basically bred the wolves. We took the two fastest ones and we made them into something else. That means into the something else. We chose the fastest kid and that fastest kid. And eventually we have the greyhound. Same thing with the pit bull, the most aggressive. Same thing with the poodle, all these things. Poodles can't survive in nature. They don't come from the wild. Pugs. <laughs> I mean, what's a chihuahua no... going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Just pugs. Can you imagine like pug, the savannas of Africa? Oh, the, the African wild poodle. <laughs> <laughs> Beware. <laughs> but the variation, and they're still the same species. Hmm. They're still Canis familiaris. They can still have sex with each other and reproduce That's and true. do it. So yeah. the problem is, is that if in a thousand years from now, we didn't know about this or tens of thousand years and we have uh, paleontologists who are digging up fossils and they're finding fossils of poodles and greyhounds and mastiffs and, and Great Danes, they're going to classify them as different species mm. because they, don't, they didn't have that information, let's say. Can we do the same thing with CRISPR? Absolutely. We've been doing it um, through selective breeding. Uh, for 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 dogs and for for corn and for all these agricultural products because we know if we go for a walk in the forest there's no freaking way we're going to find broccoli in the forest we know this and we know that broccoli cauliflower brussels sprouts cabbage all come from the wild mustard plant we might find them in wild mustard plant but we're not going to think oh i'm just going to breed this for the next thousand years i'll have broccoli and <laughs> <laughs> we'll see yeah, no. So yeah, so I think it's an, it's it's amazing to understand that we're still very much susceptible uh, to environmental factors. We are part of nature, no matter how much we try to detach ourselves until we start doing things artificially. So yeah, CRISPR and genetic manipulation, but it's so complicated. We know this, right, through GMOs. Um, you change one thing and we know that in the human, in all organisms, one one gene causes one physical change, like phenotype. If you change one gene, yeah, you can change the eye color. That's not that complicated. Hmm. But understanding the complexity of genes, this is like even before Homo sapiens came came on 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 the stage, we're really really young. Like Homo erectus have been in this world at least twenty times longer than we have so far, at least. It's it's uh, you have a natural inclination to feel like we're we're I mean you know playing God I guess is the the, the quote yeah. you hear in movies but it's like you're playing with perfection in a way you know there's a lot of room for improvement but you're playing with a a system or a program that kind of debugs itself over millennia you know and it's like oh we could just like oh give this person blue eyes it's like 
okay, like blue eye has a propensity for like better vision and like has, there's something to do with the genetic cofactors and, and pain reception and, and red hair and all these fucking weird things that I don't understand. Yeah. But it's like yeah. you're you're playing Lego with something that is not Lego, essentially. Like you're we're at a dumb, gross, like uh, thick level and we're not realizing the downstream effects. And, it, you know, we're seeing the problem with with um well, what the possible problems with genetic manipulation, I guess there's not a lot of examples in humans, but like sometimes for, for me, for my, for my neurotic mentality, I'm just like, nope, I don't know what we're messing with. And, and I'm, I'm afraid to hit the off switch on something fundamental. I am too. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I, think, I think we've been doing selective breeding because, you know, we have in humans, we're complex people. Not only do we have natural selection, but we have very strong sexual selection as well. This massive amount of sexual selection has, has, has caused us to have sexual dimorphism, which in mammals is not in every mammal, right? And can you tell the difference between a male squirrel and a female squirrel? I can't. They can probably. Yeah. But squirrels can tell, oh, that's, that's a male human and that's a female human. I can tell that that's a lion because a male lion versus a female lion. That's dimorphism. And so humans absolutely have a very strong sexual selection. Hmm. And there's a lot of, uh, that explains so much in terms of, you know, the dating scene now. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's a whole new topic, right? Um, but you're actually, you're absolutely right. All this is you're basically taking this blueprint with this blueprint, mixing it all up. And we got something that we actually wanted. I selected you because you have these, um, alleles, these genes that are represented by your physical traits that I find will make a great offspring. That's the, that's the, that's the whole thing, right? And what do I want my offspring to do? I want them to survive. I want them to reproduce. That's it. And you know, if, if I'm nice, I want them to be happy, <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. Once we, once we start CRISPR and, and, and artificial uh, selection, that's, we really got to know what we're doing. It's, uh, it's not something I want to play with. And, I, yeah. and, and you think we're God. We actually have so many imperfections because natural selection is blind. Evolution is blind. It, it's basically saying like, hey, who are the best uh, samples here that are going to survive long enough for reproduction? Mm-hmm. They end up having babies and then their babies are going to select someone else who ends up surviving. But there's so many signs of our past that are just useless now, mm. like the appendix, yeah. like male nipples, like uh, wisdom teeth, mm. like goosebumps, like this pointy thing on our on our ear. This part of thing back this this is vestigial. This when we were like old primates, this was an ear fold. When we had larger primate ears, we had definitely had like folds in order to get the sound, but we didn't need to be more sensitive to sound so but we still have that bump do you guys know why, why goosebumps is vestigial i think it's a it's like the um, the the like the sticking the feathers or the fur out like as a defense yeah. mechanism or something when you're yeah. excited so like when you hear a cool song or something and you get excited like you get this the go- i mean exactly. maybe that's why they're called goosebumps or is it because it's like goose skin or something? i don't know i thought it looked like goose skin yeah Ugh. But yeah, we used to be hairy. Our, our ancestors were covered in hair and those goosebumps made the hair stand out. So whenever we got chilly or excited or just like, ooh, I got the chills. Yeah, just like a cat, we, our, our hair would be like, 
<laughs> I don't it's know. It's, it's scary because it, it could also like our society has this kind of uh, built in competition that's that's more social adaptation it's not so much about like evolution it's not it's not so um uh you know what's the word it's 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 less uh evil <laughs> i don't know I, don't, right. I can't think of it it's just more it's more it's more just necessary it's 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 also slower it's all it's just more natural it's just like necessary and and there you know and still yeah. happening like we talked about but there's this there's this weird thing in society and all of society now at a global level where you could like really lose at the game of life because you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time or like, you know, it's your karma. It's your, your, your societal like socioeconomic status or whatever. So now if you can make people who have more money be smarter, be stronger, be taller, be whatever, you know, to, to the physical limit of, of, you know, the earth's gravity as well. But like that is terrifying to me. And yeah. And then, you know, you said memento mori. Like, what if these people will live to be two, three hundred years old because of genetic ma manipulation? You yeah, know, is this, is this a new class of human? You know, like... At the Maybe, but listen, we'll, we'll still, no matter how much artificial selection we can able to have, we are still susceptible to natural selection. So we, we can live to 200, but now do we have the resources to support that? Well, we have the, the food and the, the space for that. So all these things are natural limits. Yeah. And, you know, do you think it's an accident that, you know, our birth rate and our fertility rate is going down as our population increases? You know, I don't know. These are questions that I find very, very fascinating to, to look into. Um, I, you know, when I wrote that, that paper on um, why we're having less and less kids, happiness there's a report done in, in Germany saying like there everyone's happiness levels went down after having one kid <laughs> because they can't balance life and work and family right. at all. I'm thinking like, ugh, no, we're stopping at one in human history. That was, that was rare. Hmm. Even in Quebec, Quebec, we, we have, so, we have a, something called the founder effect where France just sent out a whole bunch of people over here. And then once the British took over, the French said, screw this, we're still reproducing French people. And so we basically had this gene pool that took over this massive province. And unfortunately, some of these recessive genes started coming out, like Tay-Sachs disease, Rimouski, and this basically says, well, it's not inbreeding per se, but it's just a lack of variety in the gene pool. Really? So we need to realize that now that we have a lot more I would say increasing the gene pool by having more immigration. We are seeing something called um, uh, heterosis, which basically means that admixture is more beneficial. So the more distantly related you are, it seems to be genetically uh, advantageous to produce a hybrid. And we have some evidence for this, like increased IQ, that was shown in a study in, in China. Chinese took people from cultural, genetic um, differences, and they found out that those um, admixtures actually produced higher on IQ scores. Height, wow. that's something that seems to be universal in every area. Um, level of attractiveness, they did this study where they had a whole bunch of different races and they were asked to rate them on the level of attractiveness, attractiveness and it seems that mixed kids 
or those of mixed race seem to be perceived as more attractive. So you, there is definitely uh, a benefit towards that. There's an evolutionary push towards that as much as there's an evolutionary uh, rejection of inbreeding, mm-hmm. right? We, there's, a, there's a reason why we're not attracted to our sisters, right? And there's a genetic aspect of it because with, when we see this from like that, that typical picture that we see, the um, Habsburg jaw of massive inbreeding in this Austrian-German royal family back in the 1700s, they all had this massive overbite, horrible nose, and that's just inbreeding over inbreeding and cousins were marrying each other. And, and it's just, we know this. Good time. <laughs> inbreeding in Kentucky, they had blue skin. Wow. (laughs) I exaggerate. They had a condition that caused their uh, a recessive gene that causes their blood to become a little bit more brown, but through the skin, it looks like blue. Oh, okay. So that was just caused by inbreeding. You're a well of information, man. This is crazy. What the actually in the process of, of, of creating content for my class that's coming up in June. So I'm just doing tons of reading tons of like slides and stuff so actually i think this podcast is a bit of like a release (laughs) (laughs) good yeah no it's received we appreciate it i i i would have loved to talk to you about it i'm I'm, we're 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 like we went like another hour we were saying we were wrapping up like an hour ago like uh (laughs) next time yeah we can cut it halfway and like just screw this This is like uh, that's fine yeah oh no i'd love to keep it all in honestly it's just fascinating i just uh i mean it's it's a lot sorry (laughs) a lot (laughs) <laughs> maybe two two, two clips so no no we hey, no, we've done dude. three hours before so yeah it's, it's all good it's it's part of the virtue like you said you know we just get to kind of go as long as we need to and and, and it's it's part of the fun i i we, we would have cut it off like we're we've we've learned you know like if we have something afterwards yeah. like we just we try to wrangle it in but like you're you're i mean i mean it in, in all respect and fascination i love hearing you talk about this stuff and it's it's i i like i said i would have yeah. loved to get into it but now when when we have you on next time we could talk about how the class actually went and how mm-hmm. it evolved and I, I, you remember you mentioning it to me it's so you were you're you're doing a curriculum you're designing a curriculum based on uh the evolution of nutrition so like how food has has been uh yeah occurring essentially or have like how like how like is this more of like a, a anthropology and history idea or is this more about how we digest and stuff over time like Both, everything oh okay all right like we're looking at what our ancestors ate we're looking at miss the mismatch theory of disease which is what we're seeing today all the way to why the hell can't we make our own vitamin c and uric acid um Fuck. metabolism like okay. we we are definitely some uh, we're very strange creatures and uh, we're looking at the fossil yeah. evidence about what we ate, and we're going to try to make sense out of it. That's and of course, awesome. it all boils down to sex as well. Because we just ate to survive long enough to have sex. That's the whole idea of it. So believe it or not, our ability to acquire food was a massive sexual advantage. Hmm. You can imagine why. Yeah. And so our idea of sex and food has always been intermingled. That's why a woman loves when a guy can cook. That's also why, <laughs> yes, yes, that's also why. And yeah, a guy says like, let me feed you this dinosaur or not a dinosaur. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Mammoth, you know, like, yo, this guy's a keeper. He knows how to hunt, he knows how to foot like this. But it also the reason why we call it something called a handicap effect. But why in throughout human history, except for now in affluent societies where an obese man was 
attractive hmm. because I am actually showing myself that, yeah, I'm obese. I cannot run an owl, like uh, a lion. I cannot run this. I'm, I'm a poor hunter, but I can squander this really important resource because I can. Hmm. How about that? And so a lot of cultures, and this goes both ways as well, uh, women who are overweight was considered like, wow, like she's got a lot of energy. She's going to be great at, you know, giving birth. Yeah. There's so many things. Like I'm just so simplifying it. It's so not right what I'm saying because it's so much more complex. <laughs> yeah, it's know, always a piece. Culture. Yeah, it's, it's you know so, what I'm saying, right? It's yeah. endlessly complicated. Saying, like, it's all of life. Like we said, it's millions of years. Like it's 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 fucking millions endless. Millions of years, and when we squander an important resource, it it basically says, "Hey, look at this." I'm just the uh, antelopes will do it, or the springboks, and uh, you know these antelopes. They'll basically just something something called stotting. Well, they'll just like jump in front of a lion or a cougar saying like, I'm taunting you. You can't catch me. Anybody would say like, man, you're so stupid. You're just basically playing with fire. But the women love that though, or mm. the female antelopes. And look at our behavior. We do some stupid, stupid, crazy stuff. Why? Because somewhere, somehow, some woman thinks that's attractive. You just look at, <laughs> look at teenager boys. They do the craziest shit. And it's really just that. Right? Like I'm just using myself as an example. I used to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was there, man. I was there. Ridiculous, was there ridiculous no. things, and in hopes to attract the the opposite sex. You know, that's what it. It's just we're ridiculous and amazing yeah. all in one. Yeah, I got to wrap yeah. it up though. I have something at four. Then uh, yeah. we got to wrap it up too. That's I a got, gr- yeah. Oh, that's a great way to end it. I didn't mean to. What do you have afterwards? I'm curious. <laughs> No, I just got to keep working on my course. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pat, and I got a family. So. Yeah. <laughs> Life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we can't do this for hours. Yeah. But Pat, you're welcome anytime. And we'd love to have you back in the near future to talk about how this course is going once it's out and running. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, man. Thanks always for your time. We'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll always have pleasure talking to you. So thank anytime, you. Anytime, guys. Thank you, man. Take it easy, man. All right, boys. <laughs> 